we are back. Hello. I have to do this weird intro thing because, as people can tell, I'm still wearing my work top. So I'm going to go quickly change this because I only got back in about like two minutes ago. <laughs> um, so, welcome back to this episode. I'm still Mickey. Well, this is work, Mickey. This you're actually talking to Michael at the moment. I have to be completely different, right? And uh, and this is still Carlo. So Carlo's going to tell you about his week, which is a surprise. And I'm going to tell you about my week, which isn't a surprise. And then we're going to go on to the cool things of the world. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us at a later time. I uh, I am actually currently packing to go to the US, a.k.a. Gen Con, sort of. Even though it's not for another, like, four weeks, I actually go to London on Wednesday. And then from there, I'll fly to the US. So I go to New Jersey, then Cincinnati, then Indianapolis, Chicago, and then back. So, uh, hopefully get to uh, see many, many different US people while I'm there. And beat them all, of course. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Um, in general, uh, I think Mickey's trying to tell everybody that I was at home in the weekend when I wasn't going to be at home at the weekend. Uh, but uh, I played some games instead, which yeah, is good. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, the main thing. You played some games, right? That's actually the, yeah. the important piece of news. Uh <laughs> How'd they go, Carla? Mixed bag. It's um, yeah. I'm still struggling, struggling with uh, my Targaryen lists that I want to run for nationals. Kind of like I don't know if I'm overcompensating for like recent results and changes that I'm making. I've got some ideas. I I do think I think I've made some improvements uh, recently, but I've also come back full circle, and I think that. I give value back to Grey Worm again, um, which I dropped for a long time and thinking in favor of maybe running double Carl Drogo. But uh, I think I've made some subtle changes to my Drogo list, and now I think I'll want to run it alongside Grey Worm. I was was actually going to talk about that uh, later on in the segment because um, you're going through the process now, and I think it highlights something that we've talked about for a very long time when it comes to list building um and although you'll probably sit here and say ah oh, no no you're talking bollocks um i do think the argument has some level of credence and i think that a lot of players will see that uh and have experienced it already and to some extent um yeah we'll, we'll talk about it anyway uh, as a point later on um but yeah yeah so there we are um carlo playing some games which I say we'll talk about uh 101 two years now this is technically a, a year uh, a year since we started uh so not last year two years since we started jesus christ god that that two years felt like a year wow um uh and it is episode 101 so uh we've had a couple of suggestions and things that we're going to cover i also set you some homework carlo do you remember the homework i set you uh yes i did it straight away and then i forgot about it fantastic brilliant so he's done the what he's saying is he's done the homework but the dog's ate in it <laughs> yeah yeah honestly uh <laughs> i can give you some like ballpark off the top of my head figures again roughly roughly uh-huh. speaking uh, i was pretty correct um mm-hmm. it, it, the, the numbers were about right cool do you remember what that number was um so the numbers are i think <laughs> um I, th- I, th- I think it's 8,000 results, season one, 
and mm-hmm. 11,000 results uh, 2021. Right. So I think there's 19,000 data points. You'd said seven, roughly 7,000 to 10,000, so obviously uh, slightly yeah. underestimating your initial statement. Yeah, cool. Uh, brilliant. Fantastic. That'll do me. Um, uh, you know, we could give you an accurate number, oh, but by uh, the time anyone checks. Another random numbers thing. YouTube Go decided on. to tell me that, um, what did we reach? Uh, I think we reached 30,000 hours watched. I don't know who's wasted their life on that. Probably mostly Mickey. No, no, ironically, not me. I actually barely watch back. I mean, I watch when I'm editing. Jesus Christ, I watch the content so many times. Uh, no, not even me. I bet you mind like it's Duan. Duan has probably yeah. like literally watched everything multiple times to give us like time signatures and things like that. Don't give him enough of a shout what out. What a hero. What a hero. Sometimes I add him uh, his comments into it, so it makes it chapters. Other times he sends me a message saying, I've done it, and I'll go awesome i'll do that and then i'm busy and then i forget and i feel really bad because i've let him down and the hard work he does keep doing it <laughs> you're honestly it's an amazing job far more effort than i'm willing to put into the content which is hilarious um so uh yeah no thank you very much um cool 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 so um what else have we got going on this week oh we've got events we can talk about some events and things as well have have come by and that are starting up um and uh yeah we'll see where it goes um so i'm actually gonna start us off with the real this is a horrible meat and potatoes uh thing to start us off with today right i had a request from uh i've Gonna get put him out publicly from Grant, uh, from um, uh, you cats. Thank you. Name was on the tip of my tongue, couldn't say it. You cats miniatures. Uh, he wants us, I kid you not, this is a message he sent me. I don't know if you're taking requests, but I'd love to see you and Carlo talk over targeting. <laughs> to which my response was, Really? <laughs> targeting. <laughs> Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> I said we'd do it, right? I said we'd do it, mainly because Barry exists and all these things, right? Um, and actually, this plays into what is now going to be the second part of today's episode, um, which is uh, which is something that will come on to. Uh, quite conveniently, the segue will be glorious and be beautiful, and you'll all think, wow, Mickey planned this out perfectly. 100%. Definitely intended. Mickey so, did not. Uh, also, thank you very much, Sam. Two and a half hour traffic just to see my glorious face and Carlo's glorious face. We appreciate it, Sam. I haven't talked to you in too long, Sam. We should have a chat. We'll play some Warzone. Anyway, um, right. Uh, so, targeting Carlo uh the question that i kind of posed to him is uh i said like we could either tackle it of like this is what players should do when talking about targeting and discussing targeting or here's a list of contentious points that have answers but often get discussed and it seemed to be that the have answers but seem to get discussed a lot because people don't know the answers is actually what people kind of want right okay so in episode 101 we're going to do targeting 101 so <laughs> uh 
First of all... I won't know any of these. <laughs> right. Bit of a pop quiz for you, Carlo, and we'll go through this. Yeah. We'll start off with an easy yeah. one. You do know this one. Final okay. strike. Who does it target? Um... Uh, show, show me the card. Uh, I know that... Um, Let me read it to work it out. That's what he's just said. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... It targets the attacker, but yes. it does not target the defender. Yes, 100%. the key contentious part. Yeah. It mentions the amount of wounds that the defender took, but at no point does it say it targets the defender. No. Uh, in general, on tactics cards, this is like a this is really hard, really fast. Doesn't work in every single case. But as a general rule of thumb, the only targets in a tactics card are the things that are in the trigger, or anything that explicitly says target in the actual text underneath. Like that's it. Um, or go on. if you pick from multiple options within a selection of options. Yes. Uh, although, we'll come on to that. Because... Does, it, does it always, nearly always, says target before it, it says that? It right? usually... It says target the actual target a unit within range or something like that. So the very good case of where, where that is exactly the case is Jon Snow's um, Stan United Brothers, which we have got a ruling for from the forums, that says target one friendly combat unit. So start of any turn, doesn't target anything. Target one friendly combat unit, target something, remove up to four models total from other friendly combat units in long range. It does not target because it does not explicitly call those other units out. Every unit can be affected and is affected by the Stan United Brothers rule but you choose where the models are removed from, which ironically is not a choice among options because they're all options and they're all choices. Which is about as anti the rules as written you can basically get without actually directly contravening the rules by saying this is not a choice among choices. Um, there you go. So <laughs> there's the this, this seems like targeting, but it's not kind of like alternative. So there you go. There's the first thing. If it's called out directly or explicitly, it is the target or is a target. Yeah. Do like native abilities ever target? So if you've got Sundering, does that ever target? No, always on. You have to choose to use an ability before it targets. Correct. Right? Yeah. Every ability in the game uh, that is basically printed on a unit i'm not talking about orders here orders are something different we'll talk about them in a minute every ability on a unit is not targeted it is always on and it always affects so that means aoe buffs for morale always on if you're in the aoe you're not being targeted by the ability you're just in the buff you're receiving it sundering of keyword effects always on uh, except, of course, ones that explicitly say targeting. So, Carlo, are there any always-on abilities that target? Um, <laughs> is... I, I'm, I'm going to assume that there are. Based there on is the at least one I know of. Uh, at least I one I know like, of. Are there some kind of... Um... 
like attack heal ones. Maybe like I don't feel like fuel by slaughter is not it, but like you can like choose. Ilya chats nailed it. Horrific visage. Horrific visage. So uh, I'll get up fuel by slaughter. Let's bring up uh, Rickard and we'll put him in. Why not? The other unit of contention. Some House Bolton Blackguards. So the House Bolton Blackguards Horrific Visage, each time an enemy performs a melee attack on this unit, before resolving that attack, targets the attacker. Yeah. So Horrific Visage does target, and Dan actually says the other one, which at least makes a little bit more sense, Red Cloaks with the uh, Lannister Justice um, uh, does target. Which, because that's a choice between multiple things, yes. seems to make sense. Yeah, but it outlines the word target in the red cloak ability. Should we have a look? Which is Just... why we, which is why we believe that it targets. Yeah. Right. So, while you control before resolving the action, one enemy in long range suffers one panic test, so on and so forth. It does not say target. So how are we one hundred percent sure that red cloaks target? <laughs> we. We aren't, is the truth. We actually aren't. We are assuming that it is a choice among units. One enemy in long range. One, because it specifically says one enemy, not any number of enemies. But again, we don't actually oh. know that that's true. Okay. Um, so it's a contentious point, but we say that yeah. it is because it's one out of a choice. Rather than stand united, which isn't choosing one unit out of a choice, which it's seems really dumb. More. Yeah. Again, don't okay. we just love targeting? Aren't you really glad you've come to targeting 101 today? So, <laughs> um, yeah, do, oh, we didn't check by Fuel by Slaughter, do we? Uh, 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 I assume no, no, Fuel by Slaughter, I guess, isn't it? Um, I just feel like, no. yeah, it's, it only does the, the Defender and, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, in general, printed abilities on cards that aren't orders don't target, except the ones that say they do target, or ones that really heavily imply that they target. Don't you love it? Don't you just love it? Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, imagine, <laughs> Abyskius makes the point in chat, oh god, imagine if it was enemies, not one enemy. Yes, my <laughs> my red cloaks take an action. Your entire army takes a morale check, please, at minus three. Um, would that make, I think that would make Lannisters La Lan 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 back on top. Yes, please. Yes, please. Do you think it would make them too good? Yeah, like just, just the pure numbers of it, like yeah. somebody would fail every single time. So you just get two to three wounds out of every single action that you ever took. Mm -hmm. So Hobbs makes a really good point. Uh, expert duelist um, targets, it does target, but expert duelist doesn't target a unit. It targets an attachment and targeting an attachment isn't the same as targeting a unit and thus can't be cancelled by anything that would stop you targeting the unit. So Barry Block and Roos, which say when a unit is targeted by an ability, aren't actually fulfilled by Expert Duelist, which is a targeted attachment ability, but doesn't fulfill the unit being targeted. Even though attachments are part of units for all intents and purposes. Don't we fucking love this rule set? Oh my god, yeah, it's Nash, beautiful. Nash Lab says, says, that, says that no attack abilities target. Yes, there are basically none that target. Uh, not Including units. Units. Okay. And that's the thing, is that Barry prevents the unit being targeted, not the attachment. That was the argument made by Michael. 
Okay. Waving hands around. Aren't we just glad to uh, make sure that's on the 100% sound? Anyway, orders. Orders are nice and easy, right? Orders are lovely and easy because, Carlo, if a unit is using an order, what is being targeted? The unit that used the order. Yes. And is anything else potentially targeted? Anything else stated in the rule. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Generally speaking, orders are fairly straightforward in that if something is being, that the timing of something being targeted is indeed the timing on, the, 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 the timing is the target on the unit using it, and anything explicitly listed as a target inside the rule. Except... <laughs> It has to explicitly list that as a target. So hidden traps, for example. If you move and you're within long range of a unit with hidden traps, does hidden traps target the unit that is moving? No. Not Reddit. It doesn't. <laughs> Don't we just love it? Let's jump over to Starks again. Let's load up Cranham and Trackers because they're nice at the top of the list. Hidden traps does not target a unit that is moving. It's when an unengaged enemy in long range performs any action before resolving that action. Orders, unlike tactics cards, don't target the things in their trigger. Only target the thing listed as the trigger. So, hidden traps, targeting an enemy unit, doesn't actually target that enemy unit. And as a result, can't be cancelled by things like that but you can cancel it if barry is on the unit using traps Oof. it's fun so, isn't it just uh without without bringing up the rule book yeah that's because a tactics card specifically states that the thing that triggers it has been targeted whereas an order specifically states that the thing that used it has been targeted yes and then it also goes on to say anything explicitly listed as a target would also be a target. Um, and then anything that's a choice among multiple options, whereas hidden traps isn't actually a choice among multiple options. There is only one unit doing an action at that mm -hmm. trigger timing. Um, so it's the trigger timing that's the choice and the trigger timing is the order being used by the unit. So it's the unit that's choosing to use it. Um, but a card also doesn't choose a unit till uh, still targets the unit in the trigger. Yes, yes, Daniel. Um, it's uh, it's lovely, isn't it? Uh, we we are really onto some beautiful things here because the, in case people haven't noticed and people in chat have noticed this, targeting is different depending on what on earth you're using. And I don't mean like the rules are literally different for orders and tactics cards. Even though basically some tactics cards are an order yep. just transformed into a one-off card rather than an ability that you use every turn. You know, for example, Lannister Supremacy mm -hmm. then exists as Targaryen Supremacy as a card for Queen of Marine. Yep. Now, I don't actually know, I guess, I guess those two overlap in that they do probably target identical things. Shall we I say? Guess. Don't know. So, Lannister Guardsmen. The Guardsmen automatically target themselves. Yep. And it claims to target the attacker. Yes, because it says that in the resolution step. Yeah. Yep. 
So it targets the attacker and the defender. Yeah. Targeting supremacy is Mel... Mother um, of uh, Queen of Marine. There we go. Queen of Marine. And we see, after an enemy completes an attack, that enemy suffers one panic attacker. test. If you control crowns, they suffer minus one plus one for each of the defender's remaining ranks. The target and supremacy does not target the defender. Correct. It does target the attacker. So they both do target the attacker. Yes. So they both target the just, attacker, but the, the order... First, first one that came to my mind. The order targets the unit because the unit is choosing to use it. Whereas the tactics guard isn't isn't being chosen to be used by anything on the board. It's being chosen by a game trigger used happening. On, used on somebody. Yes. Whew. Ilya says Warcry is a card. Now Warcry, um, the thing is actually Warcry is really stupid because Warcry actually works exactly the same as the Order as the Tactics card does. But there's a reason for that. And it's because the Warcry Tactics card is when a friendly combat unit activates rather than the start of turn trigger. So it naturally targets the unit that is activating and then whatever it chooses to have the tokens. Whereas the target Warcry... Target one unit in long range. Yeah. yeah. And the order also specifies that you target one unit in long range. Yeah. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Would, would, would be good. It does. It does. Warcry is about the only one. I just feel like whenever the whenever the ability or the card or whatever has the word target in it, it's just like, yeah, cool. Everything's sorted. But it's when basically people feel like something is being targeted. It feels like it. Everything points towards it being a target. The word target is just missing. Just missing from the text that we create these situations and then we end up with an FAQ question because it's like, well, it doesn't state. So at least somebody's going to ask it. And then we get into the really hot waters of who the fuck knows what the FAQ answer is going to be until it turns up. And then when it turns up, everybody's doing practically mental gym gymnastics to make the rules fit with the new forum FAQ post, which says this really convoluted thing, which is, like, yeah, expert duelist does target, but it doesn't target the unit, so it can't be blocked. So, like, this, 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 like, and then you just, like. Yeah. Now, I'll be super honest with you. Um, targeting is not the nicest thing to talk about. It certainly isn't the nicest thing to discuss in mid-game. Um, it's horrible when you get certain situations come up. And there are some scenarios where... I'll be honest with you, it, it it is actually fairly unresolved, right? And this isn't just targeting like with Barry Block, but also targeting with um, with certain cards. So Carlo knows uh, a good one with Euron Greyjoy. Um, he has a card uh, as does Tyrion, uh, which is Cunning Ploy, right? When a friendly combat unit activates, so we know that the unit that is being activated is a target. 100% we know that. That unit cannot perform actions this turn. Instead, one other friendly combat unit performs one maneuver, march, or retreat action. Okay, one other friendly combat unit is probably targeting that unit with the resolution of the card because it's a choice of one between options. 
Um, cool. Your options might only be one, ironically, but it's still a target. And then it says, if this is Euron Greyjoy's unit, before they perform this action, one enemy in long range becomes vulnerable. And that is about as obscure a reference to anything as you can possibly imagine. Because Who is this? Who is this? <laughs> the one giving up the combat action or the one receiving the combat action? No one actually knows. The... It's very hard. This is not referred to. And like honestly, my argument is a semantic argument, which is not even a good one, right? But it refers to the when a friendly combat unit activates, it then says that, that. unit and then unit and this unit. That unit yeah. and this unit. So yeah. this unit, the one doing the new action, gets to put the vulnerable token out and has to be Euron. That is yeah. as close as I can get to understanding this card without a ruling. Yeah. yeah, the best the best guess you can take is that can't take actions, this received them. Yeah. Um, do, <laughs> do I think that we could very easily have a situation where someone says, no, that's not how it works, it works the other way? And I'd be like... Brilliant. Thank you very much. I'm just glad I know how it works. Um, Daniel, Daniel in chat says they should have created small symbols that represent attacker defender. Yeah, could have done. Could have done easily. Even just like a literally a section on the card that says attack this uh, target X, Y, Z and lists the targets of the card. Done. Um, yeah. And even if it's multiple effects, target X something effect. Target Y some other effect target z some other effect and i'm fine with blanket rules like the orders always targeting a unit using them is absolutely fine as a blanket rule like i've got no issues with that as a blanket rule that's of all the targeting rules that's a very easy one to follow if it's used in the order it's being targeted by the order simple um but yeah it's yeah. uh Going back to Euron's cunning ploy, that's actually the thing that's really confusing about, about this card, Natural. The common English parlance would be this unit cannot perform actions, that unit being the secondary unit receiving the action. Mm -hmm. So the common English parlance, which would make this card more concrete, would be if you switched this and that around but they still refer to what we believe are the same units. So when a friendly combat unit activates, that we know is target number one, when it's then described, that should be this unit. This unit cannot perform actions. Mm. Now we talk about a second unit. One of the friendly combat unit performs a maneuver, march, or retreat. If that is Euron's unit, and it all makes sense. But you've switched this and that around, and you've said, when a combat unit activates that unit, then you talk about a different unit and say this unit. And unfortunately, it just doesn't work properly in mm -hmm. such a concise way when you do it that way. Because it's, that's it's not almost, the way this and that work in the same manner. It's almost like they're saying, this is the game time in which you play the card, but we're now referencing the actual game like where we are in the timeline as here 
Yeah. And that's you got this weird disjoint in the timeline of the game in that well I'm activating this unit but now I'm teleporting to that unit over there being the reference point which is now this unit and the unit that I activated that was this unit is now that unit that I activated my god don't we just love this and that jesus motherfucking christ targeting 101 Whew. yeah this generally speaking refers to the first thing that you mentioned and that being the second thing that you mentioned there's a reason they but call it this the and first that. unit that we mentioned is the one that's activating and the second unit that <laughs> that we mentioned is the one that's now receiving the activation all of the indicators point towards them being this and that the opposite way around that is the first unit we mentioned and this is the second unit we mentioned it's all about present like present tense right like this is like present yeah. tense that can be past and it can be pre uh, future but that is never present and it seems to indicate that that is now past in this parlance rather than this oh god yeah anyway um i'm i'm we're moving off con employ also Tyrion. bearing in mind that Tyrion's also a thing um uh so there's more targeting, right? Uh, is there any more targeting that we haven't done that we want to do? Oh, yes. Uh, nice and easy one. This is 100%. Get this one correct, Carlo. An NCU influencing an N uh, unit. Is it targeting? A new, a new NCU. There's actually other NCU things, right? Like, <laughs> oh, uh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. We're gonna go into, we are going to um, go into the dark web in a minute, trust me. And NCU targets, right? NCU influence, that's a target effect. Yeah. NCU. Barry can, Barry's influence can block other people's influence. Yes. Assuming he's first. Yes. Yeah. Because targeting in this game, from what we understand, is a singular point in time. It's the moment the thing is happening, not continuous effects. Hence the reason that Night's Watch cards don't target Night's Watch units once they're attached. Brathian, um Oath of Duty, uh, Sears Vengeance, um, all of the quest cards basically don't target units after the attachment point. They target when they're played and not after then. Which brings the whole contention of uh, like Andrew always controlling crowns and bags, or sorry, crowns and letters, kind of being a bit like, uh, well, that's not that good. Because it only affects cards when you're playing them then, and like the Oath of Duty always control crowns for the um, condition token. Doesn't seem to be affected by that. We think. <laughs> um, so, yes, there's a, a whole other cat and mouse game. Um, so, here's the big one. Okay. Targeting fucking nightmare. If you're changing, if the NCU changes a zone or a tactics card changes mm -hmm. a zone, mm -hmm. and the zone then goes on to affect a unit, what is targeting the unit? A tactics zone. Yes. Which, outside of Irian, nothing interacts with. Ish, ish. <laughs> Except some things, some things care about what 
um, like symbol they're targeted by. Oh, Adam. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't got around, haven't got around to learning Adam yet. Adam, when a friendly unit is targeted by an enemy order, NCU, or tactic zone before resolving that effect, um, you can cancel it. You have to do a mile check and you can cancel it. This is fine because most NCU replacement zone effects tend to be self targeting, like you're targeting your own units to make a charge with assault orders. Um, but it does mean that something like Roos. You can actually cancel Roos's ability to do a panic test on you, for example, with Roos's Roos's uh, panic check test. Um, however, as Belisarius mentions and Naklab, uh, Naklab mentions, even if we look at uh, Offal NCU, mm. each time Offal claims a zone, you replace that zone's effect. Make the following ranged attack on one enemy unit. That is a zone effect that does choose, as far as I can tell, that is you being targeted by a zone. But I don't know. Uh -huh. Yeah, you, yeah, you're targeted by is, a zone. Yeah. So, Adam can cancel basically anything. Yeah. Except tattoo cards. For some reason. Uh, I don't know why he can't well, cancel tattoo cards. Hmm? It's not listed as one of the things he can target and cancel. Order, NCU, or tactic zone. <laughs> so Adam doesn't target... So he's not Barry with charismatic leadership, but he's kind of like Barry. But he's different because hmm. tactic zones Barry can't cancel, whereas Adam can cancel tactic zones. Yeah. So even the things that cancel similar effects aren't necessarily always the same. So when we talk about targeting, cancelling, and cancel targeting, and targeting to cancel, it, the thing that you are using to cancel is very important. Yeah. Oh, God, don't. It's just, I wish they were the fucking same at this point. <laughs> um, but you cannot stop assault orders. Barry, nope. cannot stop assault orders with counter strategy, whatever. Anything which stops the tactics card does not stop assault orders because you are not targeted by a card. You are targeted by a zone which now has an effect of a card. Which brings us on to a sad point which we have discussed on the show before. Newt. <laughs> Newt. The pointless. <laughs> uh, assault orders that um, that Victorian brings allows you to target Victorian's unit, and um, and when you target Victorian's unit, it becomes a charge. But it is the zone targeting the unit, not the card. As a result, you doing assault orders to then target Newt's unit doesn't allow it to be a charge because this. Newt doesn't count as Victorian Greyjoy when it's being targeted by a tactics zone. Which is, and uh, bearing in mind, like, this is correct. We are not wrong with this ruling. 
But also, me and Carlo will happily sit here and tell you this is the dumbest fucking rule ever invented. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's worse, it's significantly worse for Satin, I believe. Yeah. For a start, Satin doesn't have any other abilities, <laughs> really. Um, but also, specifically, of Victorian's cards, I believe his other two do actually target a unit. Yes. Whereas yeah, yeah, if you do. go through the entirety, I think it's Commander Stewart. Yeah. If you go through the entirety of all the Commander cards in the Night's Watch deck, almost none of them target the unit while having the name of a Commander have any effect. So Alistair it, at least gets Pathetic Attempt. That's it. Othel doesn't give a fuck. Donald Noy uh, doesn't give a fuck. Oh, maybe he does. Yes, lash out. There you go. Lash yeah. out. Um, you get a panic. Yeah, brilliant. For so, a point. So with three if commanders you, in. If you played, if you played that in in your unit for one point. If you play Lash Out on that unit, then you get to part our panic token. There is a whole other problem here. Refuse to yield. If this card is attached to Donald Noy's units, it gains plus one to panic test rolls. Uh, no, is it? Is it not? No. It's not. No, don't target the unit. No. Which is dumb. The continuous effect doesn't target. Back to what we were saying before. So of the three commanders we've looked at for, so we've got two cards. Jaw has quite a few, to be fair to him. Jaw's got a few. Um, I think it's not Jaw. I lied to you. Uh, he's got none. Brilliant. Um, John. John's got a couple, right? Uh, it shall not end until my death. Technically targets John's unit if you're targeting Satin. Stan United Brothers targets his Satin's unit if Satin is the unit that you choose that's going to get the models on. So cool. And for the watch, doesn't give a shit about Commander. So we're some commanders. Benjin doesn't give a fuck. We, we need to go back a minute because doesn't give a fuck. says charismatic leadership can't cancel awful. But it can. Like Yes. How, how please explain your working, National Lab. It specifically states it blocks tactic zones and awful turns the tactic zone into an attack. It's Make still the following range zone. attack on one combat unit. The zone is now that text, and that still has to target a unit. Yeah, and 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 you are targeting it through a tactic zone. So please, 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 uh, please, please follow up. Please show you're working. He might be right. We'll never know. Uh, we will know. Once an influence is in play and the MCU loses their ability, what happens? Um, the influence flips over and is no longer in play. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it is in play. That's actually quite important. You um... are still influenced. You just have... There is no ability on the influence anymore, right? Yeah, so eff effectively, like if we're talking like a Lena coming on and switching off Barry, for example, um, a Lena comes on and switches off Barry. Barry is still influencing a unit. The influence is not removed ever until the end of the round or unless another condition is met, such as Barry removing it to cancel. Um, but Barry's text 
the, the way to think about it is basically Barry's text becomes blank. He's still there, he's still influencing the unit, but he's got nothing on the card. It's just a blank card. Which so means... You can't throw a new influence down on there yourself, yes. like Jack and Agar, to copy the ability, yeah. or um, Zaranzo on Darkstars, or something like that, right? Like, yeah. you can't, or Danny, to, oh, Jesus Christ, there's actually loads of influence abilities and dogs. Yeah. That's what happens when you lose your abilities. There's quite a few influences in most factions. You'll be surprised. Um, did you know which faction has the least influences? There's a question for you. Hot quiz that should have been on last week. Or the least influences. Did I say most? I meant least. Uh, out of NCUs, presumably. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give you... I'll give you... You can uh, choose a side of a faction. Right, well, that leaves it down to Baratheons. <laughs> well, I mean, that's because I thought Baratheons, and they have Axel. Yes, they have are Axel. Non on the Ren are they non on the Renly side? They have Axel on Stannis' side, but Eldon, no. Courtney, yeah. no. Shiren, no. Davos, no. Marjorie, no. Elena, no. Melisandre, technically yes, and Selyse, technically yes on Stannis. Okay. None for Renly. I think, I think if you're saying it's Renly Baratheons, then that's yeah, it's a bit and that's a cop out because it's one faction and you yeah. just listed like four things. That... Oh yeah, yeah, but but like my point being is that Renly Renly side Baratheons literally don't have access to an influence outside of Jack and Hagar, who's available to everyone, so it doesn't count. Um, our faction, down. Yeah, and also <laughs> neutrals also have Jack and Hagar, so you know. Um, uh, but, um... I mean. You can play the Greyjoy ones if you want. Do you want to play the Greyjoy ones? Aaron Greyjoy? You really want to play him as an influence? Maybe you want to play... Asher's not too bad, I guess. Not great, but not too bad. Um, and your only other one is Blind Baron. Who's decent? He's top tier. Yeah, he's top tier. Um... I, I, I think, I think naturally, you can't... You, you cannot take the extraction and say this zone is now this attack and therefore it's not a zone it's still a zone um in the yeah in the same way like you can with with tactics cards like for example um uh, like like assault orders assault orders allows you to turn the zone into a charge action it's still a zone which allows you to do a charge action um it's not now just like just an action that the unit took um yeah i think for the same reason Tyrion could block it with what is it intercept orders is that what yep. it's yeah it's intercept orders called? yeah where he forces you to target a different unit yeah it is actually uh i've just been checking there in the background if we disclude neutrals uh i thought it was lannisters action. it's not lannisters they have high sparrow and what they have High Sparrow, and they also have um, Joffrey. Right. It is actually, uh, surprisingly, I didn't think this at all when I first... We disclude Renly and Stannis being separate sides. It's nice watch. Yeah. With the only uh, one, the only actual influence being Sedanis Malister. And does, Corrin, uh, Corrin now. Influence anymore. Yeah, Corrin, Corrin does. But Stannis was added, so two is like the limit there. So, 
What a shit question, Mickey. Hey, I didn't know. Yeah. I don't know the fucking answer. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, if we look at it, it's it's Lannister slash Alliance Watchers two, or uh, one for neutrals. Um, cool. Anyway, NCU's one hundred one. So is everyone happy with targeting one hundred one? Are we are we finished with targeting one hundred one? Yeah. Any questions? Do no. I have any questions? Do, um, do, do you want to target me with some questions? <laughs> okay. Who does who does Tywin target, and in what order? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, that is a question. Cool. On to the next part of the show. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, to non-meme your answer, Tywin targets all targets that he chooses. And then he can resolve them in any order. So he must name all targets at the same time, and then he can resolve them in any order. But he cannot choose to change, which has an important thing, which is you must define them all at the start. You can't find out if you kill somebody with the four hits and then say, ah, oh, you didn't die, so I'll put a token on you. He's he's actually a very interesting one, right, though? And this is hugely interesting. Tywin does not require you to name who is getting what effects. It says target any number of combat units. Then one of those enemies become panicked. One of those enemies become vulnerable. So I could target everything in ah. your list. Except Barry, the one with Barry on it, I could say, right, I target every other unit, and then I can assign where those things go after I've assigned the targets. And they could all go to one unit. That's true. Yes. You can hit something four times, yes. then decide to put the tokens on it afterwards yes. because it hasn't died. Yeah. But and you can't you then choose the to put them on... You can't target one unit and say, right, I'm going to yeah. do the four hits to them and then see so, the outcome to target more. So you define all the targets, and if any of them block the effect, then, then it's done. Yeah. Game over. Yeah, game over. Flameman has no secrets. We're talking about Barry. Don't, don't uh, target a unit with Barry on, by the way. Just, just don't do it with Tywin. Maybe does Charismatic uh, <laughs> stop an NCU? Yes. It stops NCU effects, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and, 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 and what's important about them is, is that you don't know that when you first, like, because it's a card, you don't know that it's going to happen. Whereas Barry, like, already exists. So unless you made a huge mistake, then, well, just, you made a fucking mistake. So now, you got, you got this is actually, like, this is actually very important when we talk about the next really, like, clusterfuck thing, which there isn't a resolution for. The best thing to do is decide targets with Tywin before resolving, like we just said. Combat prowess, Snack Club says as well, uh, potentially. Um, there is another one. Charismatic leadership in combination with letters, specifically, from the tactics board. Letters is draw two and target a unit and put a condition token out. Strictly speaking, if you target a unit inside and uh, if you target a unit that gets charismatic leaderships 
you are not supposed to have drawn that card those cards so you should actually say i'm going to draw two cards and target say that flayed men then you can choose the order of resolution you can say right i'll draw two cards and now i'll put like a weakened token on them <sighs> is the best interpretation of the rules we have mm. whereas i've definitely seen people draw their cards and i've done it myself yeah of course you do draw your cards see what the cards are then actively make a choice as to what i will do based on the cards that i just drew and I will, hasten, I, I will hasten to add this i actually think that that is how most people and i think the game was intended to be played but with the way that they have set up the ruling the way they have set up abilities this is a this is not explicitly stated by simon simon have not ruled on this but it's a natural extension of when you cancel a card or an ability, you cancel all of the card or all of the ability. And a tactic zone is an ability for all intents and purposes. So when you cancel part of it, placing the token, you cancel all of it, drawing the cards. Simon hasn't ruled on it, but it's a natural extension of exactly the rulings they've given us. All what because Kurt's here today, all intensive purposes. All intensive purposes, yes. Yeah. All intensive purposes. Okay. So, as asked by Chris, FNM. Yep. Melisandre specifically states that you take two wounds, then take a test, then now I target an enemy, and now my effect is cancelled. Do I get my two wounds back? No. <laughs> so... Here's another good one for you. The entirety of the effect or none of the effect. So this goes back to a ruling they made on supply aid. Uh, if supply aid is used, it targets the conscripts. The conscripts then remove X number of units or wounds. Um, they then target another unit to receive those wounds. If the unit receiving the wounds is then cancelled from a targeting perspective by, say, a Flayman Has No Secrets. The wounds to the conscripts are still done because that is now in the past when the targeting has been cancelled, <laughs> which is about as fucky as is possible with the other rulings because it's a this and then this afterwards, like rather than these two things that happen or this thing and this thing with your choice of resolving which does give precedent to say that letters you don't cancel the draw two because it's draw two and put a token out they don't say and then put a token out which doesn't imply time it says draw two and put a token there are precedent to say that them saying this and this is actually enough to precedent you have to like with mel they ruled that you have to be able to take the wounds to do the panic test you can't do the test first and then take the wounds so you know do the test heal so you have enough wounds to then take they actually ruled against that so this and this is a timing thing that they have ruled on which mean letters could mean draw two and put a token out is a timing thing ah Targeting 101. This is why we have to discuss it and why we hate it. Um, so, 
Doug, Doug believes that, uh, not, not, not to keep jumping around, but I'm just reading the chat. Doug and also Gypsy mm-hmm. both believe that NCUs can't have their abilities changed once they're activated, i.e. that an influence effect can't be switched off. They, Doug, Doug has given vague claims that he believes that it's in the FAQ. Uh, I would happily cede it if it is, but I do not believe that it exists. I don't believe that's ever existed. And to Gypsy's earlier question, yes, in the basic rule, I'm pretty sure it just states, it's not an FAQ or anything, just in the rules, a unit can only be influenced once by each player. You can have um, an enemy influence on yourself and a friendly influence on yourself, and that's it. Oh, my God. FAQ season 2021 season one. This is about as crap a FAQ ruling as you can possibly uh, see, right? Are we ready? Question. Elena Terrell. If she uses her ability on an NCU that has had an ability resolve earlier in the round, what happens? Answer. If an ability has already been triggered and resolved, such as a once per game that has already been activated that round, the effect remains in play. This um yes. So I can I can see where the confusion for both players comes from. Yes. We do not take this to be, to mean that effectively what we'd call continuous effect. Yes, influences being continuous, yeah. Can't be switched off because they have not been triggered and resolved. <laughs> Basically, it means that like you can't say, I don't know, any given random NCU like uh, Little Rose, um, whatever her name, Baratheon, Terrell. Mar- Marjorie. Mar- Marjorie Terrell. That one up there. When she, <laughs> when she activates, she heals a wound. That's been triggered and resolved. If you go along with Elena and say Marjorie has no effect, you now don't undo the wound which she healed. But Barristan's effect is in play. He has been triggered, but he has not been resolved. He's still there, so he can be switched off, and he can lose his effect. And yeah, so basically Brian Baron is screwed, because you can turn him off um, very... You can turn him off at any given time by activating it. Before or after, either's fine. You don't have you switch an influence ability off before you go, mm-hmm. um, as in before the before the other NCU activates. There was, I believe, other things inside of Lannisters. Possibly, I feel like not just intrigue and subterfuge. Maybe something else which allowed you to switch off the NCU midway through the round. But maybe I now nah, I, I can't think, think of it. No. No. Um. 
again, that this brings us onto a discussion point, which I'm not going to get into today, but we've made plenty of times before and is very, 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 very fucking frustrating is that this was actually covered in an old version of the FAQ. Uh, it was directly referenced in an old version of the FAQ and was not carried over, carried over. whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, NatLab saying Peter's once per game, for instance, would remain in play. Yes, because the once per game ability has been used. It's like a fire and forget missile. You did it. It's over now. It's resolved. It's done. It's already happening or happened. Um, whereas an influence is currently ongoing or happening. So it, it's an yeah, ongoing effect. Um, so if we were to quickly load up the compiled FAQ in this here web page from 1.6 and i know there's going to be people watching this being like eh, you can't use 1.6 faq for the modern version of the rules i agree you probably shouldn't but if they're going to have rulings like this in the fucking game it's really quite handy uh this is faster okay oops so Elena. If Elena causes an NCU that has influence to the unit to lose all abilities, what happens? That NCU loses all abilities, e.g. will have no effect on the unit that is being influenced. It is important to note, that, however, that the unit is still being influenced by the NCU, important for influence limits. Also, remember, regardless of any other effects, influences are always removed at the end of the round. Boom. Done. Isn't that a much better FAQ answer in relation to the actual question? Except this answer doesn't Inzar. answer the Peter Baelish question. Like the this is this is the issue. The modern FAQ is different to this one. This FAQ was different to the modern one. And this is the big issue that me and Carlo and, and I've spoken to many people about before being the actual best FAQ for this game is if you take the one point six FAQs and add in the twenty twenty one FAQs and then for anything that's directly contradicting, you take the season one stuff over the top. Because it's a change. Yeah. It feels like you need to take the 1.6 FAQ as the building block from which the new FAQ adds. What they had to do was include the old answers, go through and double check that they were all still right, and then and then you're good to go. But instead, they just went bang, clean slate. All the old rules are gone, obviously, even though most of them are still relevant. Which comes back to hunters the the everlasting discussion people say does the pivot happen or quick fire happen first it was a direct thing that was referenced in the faq when i disengage what comes first pivot or my quick fire the enemy pivot is resolved before any other effect that would trigger as a result of the disengagement boom fixed solved this was removed nothing in the rules changed to make this faq invalid like there's not a single rule change around retreats and the quick fire naming and the ruling at all the question stopped being asked frequently. There you go. That must be what it is. <laughs> ah! Because you've answered it. Because you've answered it, and people know the answer now, so it's not frequently asked. Well, what do you know? If you fucking take the answer away, everyone will start asking it again. I... They, they, act, they act like what they had done was moved all of these frequent questions into being answered in the core rules. 
but they haven't. Like the 90 percent, nine out of ten of these questions are still relevant questions now, still completely unchanged. None of the components changed, and the answer is supposedly believed to be still valid. Gypsy says, "Should you should... use them with tournaments? If you're the TO, I think you should." I actually think it would yeah. be beneficial for every playgroup and every tournament organizer to know the 1.6 FAQs, um, as well as the Season 1 FAQs, and to know the differences and to understand the differences. Um, I also personally believe, as much as it's fucking stupid, that if someone can turn around to a TO and say, look, it's in the 1.6 FAQs that this is the case, that they a TO would at least listen to the arguments. Um then they can they say, look, that's not in the current rules. I'm not happy with ruling it that way. Fine, TO rule yeah. is the way a TO... TO's TO the event, right? Their decision is law. But at the end of the day, if a player came up to me and said, look, it was in the one point FAQ, I don't believe the rules have changed to make this FAQ irrelevant, then I would say, yeah, fine, that seems like the right way to do it. It's just been missed. Um, yeah. I, th I think a player needs to be aware of the 1.6 FAQs. Um... And, you know, like, should use them as a basis for their own personal interpretations. I think that TOs should be using them for their rulings outside of anything that now seems non-valid. I think the contentious area gets into, like, a player cannot flat out point to the 1.6 FAQ anymore and say, this is the ruling, because no. it no longer exists in that way anymore. I do believe that everybody should still be using it, but but an entrant no longer can almost not that they have the any right to demand something, but no. they have no like standing within the rules to say that is definitely the answer. Uh, I still think that everybody should accept that that is the answer. It's one of those things where if I was a TO and someone came up to me and said, "Look, this ruling was made in 1.6 FAQs." As a TO myself, I'd say, okay, then that's the ruling. But another TO who wasn't familiar with the 1.6 FAQs could very validly turn around and say, I don't want to follow those. Um, I don't think they're valid anymore. Therefore, I'm going to disagree with your ruling. And as a TO in that circumstance, I wouldn't disagree with you. In the end of the day, that's your ruling as a TO. But yes, um, 1.6 should probably be followed. Can someone point, post a link uh, with the 1.6 FAQ? Not easily, but yes. Um, it can Isn't be it done. Just, uh, an, an, an S3 bucket endpoint, right? Hmm? Which is which is the place where you download files from Simon, right? So yes. yes. It's not a website. There is an endpoint which will give you the, the PDF. The reason I said it can't be it done is easily is because I can't fucking hasn't find been it. Taken down, I believe. I have to fucking find it, which is the problem. <laughs> right. So that's what's funny about the 1.6 FAQ, for example. Shield, shields that guards the realms of men. Obviously, this is a completely non, non, non question anymore. Shields that guards, totally different card, doesn't work anymore. That way, do I block two D6 hits? No, you don't block any D6 hits. The, the, you don't block any D3 hits. You re-roll your dice, and then you generate plus one hit from then on, then afterward, afterwards. But directly above it, take the black. If an opponent's attachment 
if I take somebody's attachment and that unit were allowed to be redeployed, Clash of Kings, for example, Clash of Kings doesn't exist, doesn't work that way anymore. Balon does allow a unit to redeploy. And so units are redeployed exactly where they, as they were originally fielded. Still a valid FAQ answer. The, practically the entire Night Watch Strategy deck has changed. That's still valid and useful information for people to know and be able to reference. Yep. And it's very frustrating that we're in a situation where those rules now are not treated as uh, usable, basically. Um, so, yeah. Gypsy, honestly, if you make an FAQ with everything, all power to you is what I say. Um, it's more effort than I think a lot of players are willing to put in, to be brutally honest, because I, I've had this discussion multiple times now. It's not actually our job, right? And it's something that people have actually literally approached myself and said, stats, could you do this? Carlo, I'm sure they've already talked to you about it before as well. Um, and the problem is, like, one of the few things, we talk about the game all the time. We will talk about the best ways of playing the game, the things that we suggest is the best way, the opinions that we have on events, what is good, what is bad, all these things. But it's really important for everybody to remember here that what we talk about is our opinion. Like, even today's targeting rules, like we try to explain it to the best of our ability, and there may be things that yeah. we've gotten a little bit wrong. Right? Everything we is, say is our opinion. The thing is, you cannot go to a tournament and say... But Carlo and Mickey said it was this. No. <laughs> like, and, and, and you know what? We, if I was a TO and you said that and I knew Carlo and Mickey, I still wouldn't be very happy because that's not good enough for me. No. Right. And so yeah. as a result, stats can't collate this document together and say this is the way you should play. Because what we're then trying to do is we're trying to dictate the game. Yeah. There, there is no authority there. There is no authority to do that on other people's behalf. Um, and as much as people believe that <laughs> that we try and dictate what is and is and is and isn't done or talked about or is right or isn't right, we 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 do not claim to be the authority on anything other than an authority on a collection of data. Not even the only authority on how to analyze that data. If you want to come to it and have a different analysis and have a different mindset and have a different way of thinking about it, that's absolutely fine. The way we talk about the ramp, like the what comes from the tournaments, what comes from the game results, what comes from the stat is our opinions. They are informed opinions, but they're not they're not the be all to end all. And the things that we say about targeting can be wrong. They're probably not. I don't think they're wrong. I don't think they're wrong. I felt pretty confident during the quiz. I felt mostly. Well, I'm just going through the I'm just looking through. Right, do you want to see something really fucking weird? I'm sure I've pointed this out to people at patrons and things before. Do you want to see something really, really, really goddamn weird? Right? 
I'm going to take you to a magical place known as the uh, the the bucket list, if you will, of uh, potential things that could be on the Seamon website. There are some weird fucking things on the Seamon website, right? Including this. That is on the list of things on the Simon website. Now, anyone didn't see that, and for the sides in Brazil versus rest of the world, I think so. North America versus the rest of the world, I think it was. This is the bucket list here. Um, do you know what's really annoying? I've just had a look through, and I'm sure I've had this conversation with, uh, I think, Zoysas in the past or something like that. Um, the 1.6 tournament guidelines are there, song previews, the rule book for 2021, tactics cards all there as well for 2021, um, army construction. Oh, I remember, do you remember alternative army construction? No, neither do I. Um, US national events information. 2021 the store application for 2022 uh i'll keep going just quickly through some of the stuff let's stop a uh, 2021 stuff faq version ones uh homicidos uh faq version one whispering wood uh game mode version two let's keep going down version 1.5 free folk 1.51 free folk 1.51 huh okay lannis of 1.51 lutra 1.51 Night's Watch 1.51 and Stark 1.51. There is no compiled FAQ for 1.51. There is one for 1.5, but known for 1.51, which colloquially, as the community knew it at the time, was 1.6. They actually removed the general FAQ for 1.6. Hmm. Which implies that none of those stand. Right? That's what that implies. If anybody's wondering, they... this is like... This is... Basically, the open storage that they use whenever they want to link one of their PDFs or images or something like that. It's pretty standard for you to upload them to what's called an S3 bucket. And then it's pretty standard for you to remove the link to the bucket, but not bother to delete it. And so they just exist online at these places if you know where to look. Uh, I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> wild, wild way. Yeah, very true. Very true. When 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 Mickey uses his leap hacker skills, just uh <laughs> leap hacker skills to get to, to put together a compiled FAQ. Which part of Bucket was unclear. Uh well, you know. We're not we're not all uh we're not all super super hackers here, Ilya.
I just because they've listed the free folk twice. I wonder if they changed the name of the general FAQ to um, free folks accidentally. Well, that's not uh, not content for today. No, it's not. Anyway, um, I will check that out while we move on to the next part. So, while we've got a bunch of code up in front of us, no, let's uh, let's move away from that. Let's go back to something safe and something easy for all of our viewers. The stats site. Oh no, wait. I did something nice and easy for our viewers. Uh, let's go to Google. No. Um. Right. So. One hundred and one. Targeting one hundred and one. Is everybody now so fed up with targeting 101 and FAQ 101 and FAQ shoot me in the head uh, levels of frustration that we can move on? I think so. Is everyone resolved in what does and doesn't target and now you're welcome to the mental gymnastics that is trying to play song and targeting sometimes? Simple. So, Simple. the next part of today's chat is brought to you by Leet Teddy. Uh, those of you who are in the UK definitely will remember this. Certainly if you're older, will remember Room 101. I don't know if it was an American show as well, or if it's shown in America, in the US, or I don't know if it was shown in Europe or anything like that. Um, but Room 101 is basically a show that used to be hosted where you celebrities or like public figures would go on and they would take something to Room 101 that they thought was good or bad there would be a discussion about it and either it would be accepted into rumor 101 as in yes it's going down into the archives and is it's crap it needs to be removed it's shit or it gets dejected as in like oh no that's actually not too bad that's the premise so carlo my first question to you for room 101 today if you had to remove or your least hated things. I'll give you a, a real scope here. Your least hated or most hated, not least hated, that would be dumb. Your most hated <laughs> things in the game right now. What would it be? And it can't be, in case anyone hadn't guessed, the main thing we've just been talking about, FAQs. It's established that that's in room 101, that they need to fucking sort out FAQs. Um what is your room 101 so shit that you'd part, like gone. Part, gone part of me wants to say targeting okay but the thing is is where would we be without targeting mm -hmm. right so it's not like you have to get rid of everything that blocks a target before you don't need targets anymore. Because that's why targets exist. Targets exist and become contentious when things allow you to stop something as long as it targets X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. right. And I don't think that that is actually a good avenue to go down. I just want them to fix targeting. I know lots of people would say, like, I just want them to bin off targeting, but it's not that simple. You're going to have to get rid of Barry. You're going to have to get rid of uh, Adam. You're going to have to get rid of some other stuff, too, I think, um, along the way. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to say targeting. But okay. what am I going to say? What would I get rid of? I would 
get rid of solar bases. What was that? I didn't even hear that. Jesus Christ. Solo bases. Solo bases. Oh, really? Everything in the game on a solo base can fuck right off. Jesus Christ. What a boring answer is that? I mean... <laughs> no. If uh... you're not worth putting on a war machine base, you're not worth being in the game. You can make a dragon be worth... A dragon can be on a fucking 12-man base. A dragon can be on a war machine base. If you're not worth being that big, then you just create issues around like position manipulation and blocking and stuff like that that is not worth having. And I don't think that you're worth including in the game. There is already a very good set for how attachments and characters can exist within units. They have a very good rule set for making the units have new abilities that you add to something else. There is no need for solos like Jora and Watch Captain to be running around the board by themselves. They can just join cavalry units. There is no need for direwolves. They can join other units if you really want them. They should not run around by themselves. You do not need solos in this game. Dragons can be fucking massive. Okay. Me, yeah, I'm wrong. I think you're wrong. Um, I can see why you would want solos to disappear. Um, you know, yeah, Ilya says, oh no, my giants. Yeah, mm, yeah. Um, yeah, I just like have giants could be on large bases and things like that. Um, like war machine bases. Uh, you could be on a 12-man base. Yeah, you could do on a 12-man like, base. Like 12 guys are going to fight a giant. Who wants to stand next to the giant while he's fighting in combat? Nobody. Mate, mate, did you see giants in real life? IRL? IRL giants? They can't even take five guys on in a tunnel. Right? It's like a five-for-one trade-off. That's an IRL giant. I, I say IRL giant as in, you know, the giants down the local pub, not, like, real giants because they don't exist. But, you know, Game of Thrones IRL, in the world of Game of Thrones, like... Donald and some punks from the Night's Watch took out one giant in a tunnel, and he was supposed to be the king of the giants. Fuck me, a little girl took out a fucking giant. <laughs> Everybody's standing next to the giant when he swings the club. That's true. That's <laughs> Units shouldn't be aligning that close to a giant's base. The giant should have a massive base around him, which people yeah. can do. They're, all lo they're lovely scenic shit, aren't do you do you think, however, that the one problem with that is that it makes the rank and flank uniformity of the game 
almost almost too one-dimensional in terms of um everything is on the same size of bases and everything interacts with the rules not just in the same way but with the same movement patterns and things like this um i mean I no, actually... I still think that there's humongous differences between movement four and movement six being cavalry and not being cavalry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah there you is. can do more things around around various improved line of sights or mm -hmm. improved maneuverability. Um, the um, what's uh, what's Harmer's uh, ability where you can pivot before you march, yeah. for example. You can use more. You can use liberal use of that kind of stuff to generate the maneuverability. You do not need to have this tiny little base, which then people use in awkward manners um, and fit into awkward places and deploy in awkward ways. Okay. Do you think part of that's obviously links thing through to things like charge blocking, among other things? It's like a larger perspective of it mm -hmm. but do you also think that that's somewhat caused by like one thing that we know is a, a dumb thing is that solos aren't half of an infantry tray or cavalry tray it's like a simple thing like that's just stupid there is that there is um, that i have recently found out by testing it that a war machine tray seems bigger than an infantry tray in terms of width did you know that if you were no. to get out a mammoth, and I'm gonna fucking do this live stream because this is just again. So if like... you're flanked, if you're flanked by a unit, the mammoth hangs over the edge of the unit. Yep. So here's a, an unadulterated, for want of a better term, chariot base. Yep. And I match it up against that. They are of different size. I'll bring that up so you can see. You can see there's an overlap there, and at this end, oh, I'll try and hold it still. There's no overlap. Magic, the hand just comes away. <laughs> Sorry, I can't. The problem is I can't really show. Hang on. <laughs> this is really hard to do. Jesus Christ! While showing you, my hands are too small. I'm too small to show this on stream. Yeah. Now, now, now there are there are there are loads of ramifications. People are talking about the 50 or 100% rule. It's not just about the blocking. I just think that they look shit. I think that <laughs> not all of them, right? Like giants look. Okay. Dragons look okay. I, I think, think the, the draw... aren't too bad. Um my the issue the okay. issue's got okay. the issue's got to be okay. infantry unit, right? Like freedmen yeah. and drowned men yeah. are just fucking stupid. I agree. Yeah, both of them look like absolute crap. I also think Jorah running around by himself looks like a piece of crap. I think the mountain running around by himself is a piece of crap as well. He looks so much better when he's in a unit. Yes, he is very chunky. He looks almost like he looks big enough to be by himself, but he looks better when he's in a unit. And I just think that when you look across the board, it doesn't look right. It doesn't capture the essence of the game. It doesn't capture the essence of, right. of what a battle should be. I'm just going to show you the same thing. We can clearly see there, if anything, the green tray has a slight overhang. A slight overhang, right? It's definitely not below the grey tray. That's all that matters. Or it is below it, it's not above it. That's all that matters, right? 
If I then transition those two things up. Oh, and he's just lit it up. No, I haven't slid <laughs> it up. I've used blue tack to make it at least a little bit sensible. There is clear overhang on the green tray. Clear. Yeah, it's almost base, like... base, sizing, base sizing is an added annoyance on top of the fact that I also don't think that the units look right. They break the immersion of what looks like um, an army. Mm -hmm. um, and I generally don't like just like a solo fighting a unit as 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 like an image. Um, even when the solos. You know, like they 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 feel worthy of it, shall we say? Like the mountain or something. Yes, you feel like maybe the mountain can fight off a unit of twelve guys. The whole thing about whether or not it represents twelve guys, whatever, whatever, whatever. For me, they can they can they can they can should never have existed. They can get binned off. They exist only because direwolves are a cool idea, and then they just ran with it, and it became. Mm -hmm became what it is today which is three drowned men on a little fucking circle having four wounds and blocking two hits and even worse three three half starved freemen on a little circle and they have six wounds or whatever it is eight wounds six wounds i'm pretty sure it's six because i remember they basically have Two wounds per person. <laughs> For whatever yeah. reason, these are twice as healthy, twice as hardy, take twice as much damage as your standard rank and file every other model in the game <laughs> who has a wound apiece. Freedman. What would I do with giants? You know what I would do with giants? It might be it's quite different as a as a complete basic concept. But don't forget, you get two in a unit. I would put two of them on a infantry-sized base. And you would have an infantry-sized thing which accepts two circles, kind of like cavalry are, but with two instead of four. And that would be like your monster's base. And it, didn't even, it wouldn't have to be next to each other. They could be like off an angle, oh, yeah, right? They could be, they, they could be yeah. cool, they could look good. And that would be your unit. Your unit would be two giants um, fighting. Yeah, that, that's what I would do if I was starting from the ground up. Or you could, of course, give them like a war machine base. There's nothing stopping a, uh, a giant having some form of war machine base, to be honest. Um, yeah. And having the longer base uh, base depth. Um, I, I would have it this way around, by the way. I would have it op opposite way orientated. So that way. Yeah. Rather than this yeah. way. So that's the yes. front arc. Yeah. Yes. You have a big front, which meets the big front of another unit. He's just not as deep as a full ranked up unit. And, 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 are you ready for this? Go on. Just in the same way that cavalry can have attachments, if you do that with monsters, you can make monster attachments. I did one, think... One, 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 and uh, Mag the Mighty can both now be attachments that go in a giant unit. You have one normal giant and one special giant. Or you can do them as three, or whatever, like in a little triangle. People have put monsters on bigger bases for forever like and had various orientations of making them look cool do whatever you want in terms of where they're positioned but just begin with this pure concept that all bases are effectively the same size 
and we're going to do cool shit on that base. That might seem a little bit too um, homogenized. Right? Kings of War for some yeah. people, uh, but I, I I prefer it. I think it is a it is a little bit of homogenization, um, and I do think there are certain units that very con like simply conceptually make sense as solos. Like Cold Hands should be walking around the battlefield on his elk doing his own thing because he simply would never have worked inside a Night's Watch unit, right? That's not... He conceptually doesn't do that. Um, and that would yeah, feel very you're weird. To, you're trying to justify... You're trying to justify an entire... Like, game-defining set of units. Unit design, shall we call it? But, I mean... For one very modern model. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But like, incredibly modern. Like, he is... The one that sticks out is the one that they like couldn't have achieved it with. Mm -hmm. I think there are, there probably are others as well though, uh, if you thought about it and like. But I do agree so far. I mean, giants would fight in units. Dragon dragons wouldn't, but they could use a war machine. I don't know if a, dra a giants would fight together like we've suggested. Certainly no evidence of that. Uh, evidence is a very loose term, of course, or limited. Um, yeah, the War Machine base is also fine. I wish yeah, I do think the War Machine sideways, base would be I, wish, I wish that they'd get the sizes the same and they'd use the sideways sideways use of the War Machine um, to represent... Fr I think it's unit unit frontage, which I think is just important um, mm -hmm. in representing the battlefield in that kind of way. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you think that's to do with any particular reasoning? So some people say, obviously, that's to do with some people saying that the 50 or 100% charging thing is a problem, um, an extension of that as a problem. But I think that that is not really solved with the removal of solos, really, because you can still do those things still. Charge blocking is still just as possible with uh, infantry units. Trust me, I've been doing it since the since picking up 1.63 folk. Um I mean, I think it's a whole range of things, like I've said. Mm -hmm. All the things that I've listed, they right. look stupid. The extreme situation of them is the worst things in the game. Mm -hmm. They are the worst culprits for charge blocking. They don't need to exist, and they could have been implemented in a better way. Okay. The benefits, the benefits of getting, or the benefit of having them is vastly outweighed by the negatives of what they create. Okay. So, with that in mind, Carlo, before we move on to other stuff that could go into 101, because I'm sure there's stuff in the chat that people uh, might want to say, if anyone's got any ideas for us to discuss anything that they would want to throw in the bin. Um, I've also got my thing that I wish to throw in the bin. Um, uh, I've got something nice for that period of time in between where we are now. And where we are then. And the real question is, have I convinced the chat? Oh, I don't know. That's a that's a different question entirely. So the instead, chat needs to, the chat needs to tell us whether or not we can bin this off, and whether or not. Yeah. So there gone. needs to be a God. If we could do a poll, that would be amazing. Um, let us know. Solo bases, bin them off. Yes. No, bin them off. They're great. No. Um, 
Lucas Aurelius has sent me through another brilliant piece of artwork on this topic. Uh, his, his argument and his vote um, is Shaggy looks fine on a solo base, and this is the new Stark Starter Wolf. What do you think of that, Carlo? Let's get That's good. Down, are, you, of it. are you the one getting killed? I don't actually know. Uh, I haven't appeared in a in a Lucas model yet, so probably. Um, it does look a little bit like my body, as in frail, decrepit, slightly on the way out, dressed in green. Um, but no, uh, yeah, pretty good. What are you gonna uh, What are you gonna rate this uh, solo model as, given that you fucking hate solos? <laughs> Big zero. I've, I've 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 convinced nobody. No. Everybody else wants to keep the solos. Ah, uh, yes. Uh... His, 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 not, 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 not to completely go wildly off tangent. Here's what they could have and should have done instead. In the very early Kickstarter rules, which they didn't fully release, but they showed previews of how the game would play. There were brigades, which yes. were multiple 12-man units put together, maybe at list building time, maybe at deployment stage. I mourn for the loss of brigades, which never made it into any released rules as far as I know. So um, specifically... I don't believe even like, I, I've never even heard of an early playtester or anybody. Yeah. Who knows what the rules for them would have been. Uh, specifically, like uh, we call them brigades, or whatever, but like a formation rule where you could form yeah. units up into larger units. Yeah, I actually agree that I don't know, given what we know about the activations and things like this. Um, you know, I don't know if it would be good for the game or anything like that. But as a rule, as an interesting addition to the game, we could sit yeah. here and say, "Ah, oh, you get to brigade a unit up, and it gets two activations." Um, yeah. But cavalry only gets its one free maneuver perhaps one, once per round rather than two i don't know um and then you could be like right and now you build super units and it's like ah but if i target that unit i turn off all the abilities ah targeting anyway um <laughs> yeah i mean my room 101 is is targeting and rules discussions actually my biggest thing i want to remove and i i get drawn into them far too often is rules discussions in that i wish we didn't have to have them now I know that that's a, that is a cloud, a silver lining, and a cloud that's never going to happen. You have rule discussions in every fucking game ever existed, but I wish we didn't have to have them to the extent that we do mid-game when circumstances arise that actually aren't that uncommon. Someone taking Barry in their list shouldn't create a discussion around targeting. I think that fault of the rules or a fault of the players i think it's in part fault of the players and then i'm insulting everyone listening to this right now i do think in part it's down to the players because there is information there that players could read to get at least some level of understanding however it is definitely a fault of the rules, like we've just spent the entire first section of the episode discussing, that they're like watching milk flood through mud and trying to work out which is which. Um, so, yeah. 
uh yeah the game needs a proper faq um but specifically like rules discussions i don't enjoy them and i actually think that the vast majority of rule discussions when they're happening to a game that i'm watching i usually switch off because not even because i believe right or wrong but i believe that somebody is going to defend a position that's probably incorrect i've done it and i'm not interested in hearing what their interpretation of the rules is because if it disagrees with mine i'm no closer to understanding the rules i'm at the point now where i understand the rules enough to play the game and i never have an issue playing the game if i then play an opponent who disagrees with me i have to have that conversation that's fine um and if a to says i'm wrong that's fine but I've reached the point with rules gate with rules discussions where I just can't have them anymore. Um, I've just had a really quick look for literally the first time in six forever. months, and I see that you are still, or possibly currently, the one of the most proficient posters in Order of Maesters. Oh yeah, recently I have been. Is it is it is it still is it still the toxic cesspool that it used to be? It's not. I mean. No, is the short that, answer. That was the, the worst place in all song yeah. Discord that existed, in my opinion. Um, it is better than it was. Um, there was one individual in there who was very dismissive of a lot of individuals as well. Um, didn't promote open communication, open chat about things. Not saying that I necessarily do, but... Um, it mostly seems to be like, oh, I have this question. And then the answer would just be like, that's fucking obvious, you idiot. <laughs> like, that, that was literally the answer. Like, you know, like basically in, in, in layman's terms or, you know what I mean, in non-specific terms, the answer was practically always just like, that's fucking stupid. And it's just like, please explain. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> now it's Castley Rock. No, I have heard a lot recently that Castley Rock, that Castley Rock is absolutely... Salt place. <laughs> yeah, salt, salt mine. It is, it is the channel of, of, of depravity. Castley Rock, I mean, the one that came up recently is when does counterplot target, or when does counterplot resolve? I have never been. Yeah. No, 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 like, no. Like, yes, this is the reason I hate rules discussions, right? When do you play counterplot? When your opponent plays the card. No, you don't. And this is the rules discussion I had, and it's really annoying because I believe it's when they play the card. But it's not. It says when an opponent plays a tactics card before resolving that card. And people argued that the timing to play it is before resolution, which is after declaration, which means that the Lannister player, if they had a same trigger, the Lannister player would resolve their trigger first as the active player. And then I would, let's say me versus you, Carla, you're Lannister. I would then say I'm about to resolve my card and you go, aha, counterplot. Sorry, give, uh, so, so we're talking about if I'm Div as the Lannister. Yes. And let's say and when I, uh, the card is when an enemy... And I play a start-to-turn trigger. Yes, a start-to-turn. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah. 
And then you play a start of turn trigger. Yes. Then I resolve my card. Yes. Then you go to resolve your card. And I say, oh, by the way, counterplot. Yes. Right. I don't, I don't fundamentally believe that is how counterplot should be played and is played. I've never played that that way in the history of the world. That was the rules discussion that was being had. Who cares? I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Who fucking cares? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I yeah, who fucking cares? Who cares? Literally better things in my life. Uh, and Ilya's right, it is actually kind I of important. it's super important. When you know whether or not your card had an effect, yeah, okay, but like... Well, no, it's specifically um, Baelish claiming crowns to get the reroll on the card. Do you resolve Baelish, Baelish for start um, of turns trigger first um, before you resolve counterplot? That's actually the important interaction. Um, but, sorry. Uh, I've got him into it now. So, right, yeah. So I'm the Lancer player. Yep. And I'm using Baelish. Yep. And then I declare start a turn trigger, whatever. Yeah, you but, now and... resolve Baelish by taking crowns. Yeah. Then you play counterplot, and now you control crowns to to counter my card, rather than declaring Baelish, me declaring my card. You then playing counterplot to counter my card, then resolving Baelish. So you never had crowns in the play counterplot immediately version, right? Because Baelish hasn't yet resolved. Yeah, I agree. We agree with which one, sorry. <laughs> that, 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 that Baelish should be active. Yeah. Cool. I don't think I've ever seen anybody not play Baelish as active without having a discussion about mm -hmm. that. That is the discussion, though, um, which is important because it does mean you don't actually play Counterplot until the resolution of the card. That is actually quite important timing-wise. Um, but, yeah. I mean, if you'd asked me... Yeah. Is Baelish on? I just would have said yes. But if you ask me when do you play counterplot, I'd say when you play the card. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't know. It seems it is pointless discussion, right? Like, it has an incredibly simple answer if you look at it. But when you frame it in a abstract manner, mm -hmm. right? Like everybody's abstract thought is when is counterplot played? When the card is played. But the specifics of the rule are very, very clear, which is it's when the card resolves, which now has a specific timing. And it's a very simple ruling. Which, which is, is actually, like uh, like Ilya says, incredibly important because you can play counterplot after knowing what card has been played without it being in your hand. So you can surprise strategy, like Ilya is saying, to grab a card from the deck and someone can play a start of turn card, you know what start of turn card they've played before you resolve surprise strategy, so then you can go and get counterplot 
and then you can counterplot the card they have already played. True. Yeah. Again. Yeah. But like the specifics of it. It's, um, it's it's not like this could come up a lot. It's right? just that people always resolve instantaneously before, rather than waiting for their opponent. Like all of this already happens, except mm -hmm. that people always resolve straight away without asking their opponent if they're going to trigger something. Mm -hmm. Basically. Yeah, that to some extent that's true. But I do think that it's 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 an interesting discussion because I think if you'd have said I'm going to go back into my deck and get counterplot out of my deck and then play counterplot to counter the card you've already played and declared because it's actually on resolution that I counterplot it, I don't think you'd have ever done that because I don't think you knew that that was actually a set of plays that was possible. Because I've already played the card and you didn't have counterplot when you had it. The card was in played so yeah yeah, That's yeah all. i didn't no but like you know it comes back to like the problem is the players oh, I didn't 100%. Know yeah the problem is the players right yeah. like the the problem is the lack of understanding from the players including myself right like yeah. counterplot is there and it clearly states that it's before resolution it doesn't yeah. say when your opponent plays a card yeah like I, I do agree i actually do agree with all of that it's just this is not helpful when it comes to the rules that we don't have sequences of all these stages written out because if you had a sequence like flowchart this would be fucking obvious where this is played um i just changed my mind hmm? why if i just why have i told you i've just changed my mind i don't know go on why have you told me you've just changed your mind because the trigger to play counterplot is when an opponent plays a tactics card. Yes. That's what I argued. <laughs> Can you see the problem? Like, as much as we want it to be the players being the problem, these two statements being together are almost contradictory. The before resolving that card needs to be the first line of the resolution of counterplot. Yes. We'll move on. I, I, I totally disagree, Paul. This is, I mean, even if we're using Magic the Gathering as like a catch-all term to mean like trading card games, it's not gaming the rules. It's implementing the rules correctly. Nobody's gaming them. Me and Mickey are having discussion here. So, so here, here's the important part, right? Me and Mickey are having a discussion in complete abstraction to it having an impact on any game that we have ever played in the past. I don't think it's impacted. ever play in the future. If anything, it's and impacted yet, in my favor in the way we have been playing it, if uh, whatever the ruling ends up being. And yet, I personally have already changed my own mind on the rules because they're not clear enough. Which goes back to this idea that, yes, the players... Like, we can sit here and discuss the players not knowing enough or not knowing enough of the game, which is a player fault. I'm not actually going to blame and say to somebody, like, you don't know the rules well enough, so you're shit or anything like that. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say to players, it's your fault that this discussion's come up. 
but ultimately it is down to player knowledge and player look players looking up the rules or knowing the rules well enough as to why these rules discussions come up but fuck me the rules could be so much better written so, so here's counterplot's problem if it didn't include before resolving that card in counterplot's trigger if it included that as the first line of the resolution of counterplot then counterplot wouldn't be able to be when you're not the active player because you play a card i play a card your card resolves my card resolves and is supposed to try and stop your card so they move what should be the first line of basically the effect of counterplot which is before your opponent's card resolves do this thing and they push it into the trigger which kind of gives it precedent, makes everybody sort of understand that it has precedent. It's played and resolves before your opponent's card. But now the resolution becomes part of the play timing because it is part of the trigger. When in reality, it already has a play timing, which is when your opponent plays a tactics card that has already defined the timing part and now it's created a new timing part which is before resolving that card they are two different times at which the card is technically played if we assume that the trigger dates the point at which the card needs to be played that's play being the key of when it leaves your hand and when it needed to be in your hand. It's this and that again. The problem being that the trigger is two discrete different points in time. When yeah. an opponent plays a tactics card is not the same as when an opponent resolves a tactics card. Yeah, and and and, and yeah, like uh, like Lou says, it, it's the issue the issue around field control, which everybody has just decided to take not rules as written. Yes. Because it's rules as written effect is null, which is... Never does anything. After your opponent has turned the zone into a certain thing, you can then also turn it into a certain thing, but that wouldn't happen until after your opponent has resolved the zone. Mm -hmm. It's... Uh... Yeah, it just a mess um, <laughs> uh, and it, we talk about this game i mean we talk about this game a lot on Tony ground right and if anyone's like oh my god all they ever do is slag the game off and say it's a mess all the time yes it is but we still play it right i have to feel like i have to point this out like we still absolutely love this game and still love playing it remember this is stuff we wish wish wouldn't go Carlo's like, ah, only semi enjoy it. It's because he's his win rates dropped recently, so he only semis enjoys it. Because terrible, he's... I'm not even in the top eight. Bullshit. Uh, I'll get on to that actually as a, as a point later on. Um, I don't care if I'm in the top eight. Fucking Mickey's number two. What bullshit? Uh, maybe you should play some hard factions, Carlo, and get been some. Guys, you've been gaming the system. Gaming the system, sure, sure. Be yeah, beating you, I guess, is uh, one way to game it. <laughs> um, doesn't happen often. Um. No, so I mean, uh, this is like something that we wish had to go, and we won't talk about it anymore, right? But it's discussions like this I just wish we didn't have to have, because we can't see the wood through the trees. Um, 
and that is goes back to FAQ, but like it's more than just that. It's like the rules aren't written in a way that encourages logical thought and logical flow very well. There's a lot of stuff that does, but there's some real difficulty there. Um, my other I've thing, got though, a really fucking simple answer for you, Mickey. Yeah. Stop engaging in the shitty fucking rules discussions. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm going to. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um... <laughs> I quit like yeah, year over ago. a year ago. Yeah. I know. Um, but... Here's part of the problem. Most not... An unfortunate amount of people who come to ask a question are not looking for enlightenment. They are looking for confirmation of their opinion to go back to their gaming group and say, see, I fucking told you so. I'm right. Yeah. They're not actually coming with a legitimate question of like, I would like you to please help me understand this rule. Dashi. That is actually where most of the problem comes from. I'll give them this. And I, I personally disagree with Paul. Like, you know, like, you know, I do, I do, I do think that, yes, people can game the system and stuff like that. Yes, you can interpret rules in, 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 in dodgy ways. I think the amount of people who are doing it is incredibly low. When you come to rules discussions, so personally, I don't think that the way that people interpret rules is a problem. Um, I think it's when people already have an interpretation and are not looking to learn or accept that they could be wrong, right? Mm -hmm. That is what's shit about rules discussions. Not at somebody being a lawyer. It's people being entrenched in their position. Um because probably because they have an emotional connection to it because it happened to them in a game um and and they they rightly or wrongly believe that it cost them the game can be one of the things that like a person will never change their opinion on something once they've been like fucked over by a rule they will always remember it as like this thing that they can't possibly change their opinion on or they just have an investment in terms of like their faction they, they think that it will massively depower, affect their faction, affect the thing that they like playing, make the thing that they like really bad, depending on the ruling, which way round it goes. Um, you know, can you use to the last two times in a row? Can you use to the last straight away after failing to the last? Does quite significantly change the impact and the power level of those units. If you like those units, if you've been using those units, if you're currently playing a game and you believe it to be one way, how are we supposed to have a productive discussion about that rule in the moment when you go, oh, I'll use my other to the last, and I'm like, that's not how the rules work. By the way, I actually genuinely don't have a strong opinion. I don't know which way around it is. I think the rules, rules as written, does not allow... I'll, I'll to the be last honest, can be used twice, but they specifically changed it so that to the last can be used twice. 
because it's not an order anymore. And they say in the live stream, we're changing this so that now you can use to the last twice. So like, it seems like all intensive purposes. <laughs> I, oh, I, 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 that. I would let people do it twice. I'll be honest with you, I would. Um, I would because, let people do it twice. Because it's, a, it's an ability that they quite literally paid for and it's on their units and it's not like it's like too discreet oh my god i died and then i it's like surely you want your ability to work okay you've got two you've got two once per game options if you will if you use them both on one time because you did die fair enough like the resource is now gone that's better for me than if you passed the first one and failed the set and, and didn't have to use the second one and it's more of a it's a more feels good moment for my opponent when the second one works because at least they go right well at least my ability which has a chance of failing i had to go through the two tokens instead of one but at least it still did its thing like i'm looking to kill that unit twice or three times anyway i don't care if my opponent uses it more than once from a power level perspective because i'm already assuming i'm going to have to kill it more than once so it doesn't change my perspective on the game in terms of how much I have to invest. In fact, it means I have to invest less. And it makes them feel better that they had an ability that actually did something rather than that did fuck all. Like, that's my argument for it. And I know that that's not necessarily a rules-based argument, but like everyone comes out of there a winner, which surely is why we play a game. So... Except the person who lost because their opponent didn't die. Yeah. Get good. <laughs> Kill him again. No. Um, no, that's that's you know that is my kind of stand on it. Um, but yeah. Ilya wants to get back to the memes. Uh, I feel like he posted. Was it a one hundred and one question? Yes, he has got a one hundred and one question. Anyone who cares, I've seen the greatest meme alive happen in a game. I will talk about it on Tony Ground. I posted, that, watch... I posted that in the Patreon chat last night. Uh, well, I say last night, 2 o'clock this morning or something like that. Um, I had a pleasure of watching uh, in the Canadian Discord a Baratheon matchup against the Night's Watch. And just... You know, when we talk about nested triggers and like nested actions and things happening, right? I just saw the most beautiful moment happen for a Baratheon player. Uh, Ranger Hunter unit charges in on Renly's unit, attacks, and declares swift strike. And the Baratheon player opposite and says, I'm going to declare Sentinel on my Sentinels. And I'm going to declare Brienne's order because you attacked Renly. Or not Brienne's order, Brienne's ability because you attacked Renly. The Night's Watch player went, sound, I get to do my Swift Strike first, so I'll retreat. I'll go right back up to like six inches, so I'm like the maximum possible distance I can be away. And then quick fire shoot you, uh, shoot Renly's unit. And uh, and at the end of the shot for quick fire, the Brathian player went, I'm going to declare Vrien's ability to make an attack or charge. And because of the positioning that the Night's Watch unit was in, Vrien's unit was in a 5 plus or like a 4 plus or 5 plus charge range for the for the second trigger of Renly's protector off of quickfire. 
which has to be the one that resolves first. Right. <laughs> Even though it's declared last. Um, yeah, so Brienne's not an order. Yes. So, so Brienne... Brienne can trigger multiple times within the nest. Brienne in Thornwatch at this point, right? Gets to make a charge at a four plus, makes it, right? Bang, charge. Thornwatch have Swiss Strike. They can retreat after they make that charge and they can heal. And then you move on to the step where you resolve the original Sentinel Brienne and, Brienne. and Sentinel. To which <laughs> yeah, it gets oh, it gets amazing. You can charge the Sentinels in if the Hunters have now opened up a new angle to get charged at. And you can charge Brienne again, again in and retreat out again and heal again. And you get charge rerolls. You can just be like, pow, 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 pow. And then, after all of that, it's a Brathian Flares go. <laughs> I was just like, and this... You remember that you're Thornwatch and you didn't do any wounds. <laughs> so, as Carlos <laughs> rightly pointed out, I saw literally all of that happen. I have no joke. I literally saw all of that happen. And the Hunters were alive on three wounds. It was actually Brienne activating after all of that and shooting into the combat, causing a, a max panic fail on the, the uh, sentinels engaged that killed them. <laughs> uh, it was savage. But when I say the greatest meme alive, people talk about sentinel not being that good because it's easy to block the charges and the positional side people talk about renly's protector not being particularly good in like high level play because the option to use it for an actual attack or charge is is limited but my god when i saw that happen in the game i was like i fucking love it like i've just seen someone make a charge action that's ended up with a retreat a shot a charge a retreat a charge a retreat and a charge and that was one turn Oh. Who, who, who let that happen? <laughs> oh, who, no comment. <laughs> who saw that and then was like, "Yeah, you know what I'll do? I'll trigger it." And then, even after like maybe they accidentally attacked Renly without thinking, and the opponent was like, "Oh yeah, Brienne N and Sentinel," and they were like, "Oh, you know what I'll do." I'll retreat and I'll shoot again mm -hmm. so that you get another Brienne. <laughs> After they've already been told that they have Sentinel and Brienne, they were like, I'll shoot Renly again. I think. And that happened. Instead of just going, I'll retreat and I'll go back as far as I can, and now your charges are going to fail. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll, I'll be super honest. Uh, I do know both the players, one of them actually fairly well. Um, uh, I do think both of them haven't been playing that much recently, so it was a case of just like one of the guys that Pacey hasn't played much at all in like a couple of months. I think it was like a reintroduction to the game type thing. Um, and there were a couple of things like, I need to roll higher than this, right? Not lower and things like this. Um, but honestly, yeah. as a reintroduction game, I was... Well, welcome, welcome to 2021. Like the Night's Watch <laughs> player being the player who's played a bit more, the Brathian player being reintroduced and things like this. I thought, honestly... As a reintroduction game, the fact that I saw that happen is beauty on the field. I At that point, I no longer cared about the outcome of the game. The fact that I got to see it happen was was good enough for me. Uh, I, I, that made my night. It really did. Um, yeah. 
Who cares if it's dumb and it was a dumb option? Fucking brilliant. <laughs> oh, and by the way, across all of this, you think, oh, that doesn't sound that interesting. Uh, no, the full health Brienne unit had to charge across stakes to do all of this. <laughs> so there was even value in the healing. Oh, oh it was beautiful. Um, there we go. <laughs> so I will point this out though, right? And I think this Don't is actually... Want. This is actually quite important. That was beautiful. Right? It was it was beautiful to see it on the field and see all these ridiculous things kind of lean up and, and cascade off one another. Do you think that's how they intend things like Renly's protector to work? As in, like, actually being able to make yeah. these charges and stuff? It is, isn't it? Surely. Cool. Like, yeah. that... Maybe not like, you know, three repeated charges. Yeah. Inside nested actions within nested actions, but yes, they assume that people will get to use it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, and what I thought was so interesting about that particular, yes, the Night's Watch player kind of allowed it basically all to happen that way, but like on the flip side, I was glad it happened because what it saw is like this is how. I think the designers want the game to be played. Whereas if that one player in the Night's Watch maybe just makes it like a charge block, makes that distance too far, it's like both the Sentinel and Brienne. Brienne might not even be close enough to charge or make the range attack. It's like, oh, neither of these units do anything. Like, the Sentinel unit gets to make a maneuver. That's it. And it's like... I'm not going to say that we take the fun out of the game by playing in a, in a good way. I think we still have fun. Obviously, I really enjoy playing the game at a competitive end. But it did make me think that, like, the way that they're designing these abilities is these best-case scenarios rather than how people can just easily work around them. Um, and that was just something that, yeah, it just got me thinking. Um best case scenario which are, a lot of people do in list building right what's the best thing that can happen with this list rather than how do i ensure that the average performance of this list is good um okay so for me the fundamental i think disconnect between the way that simon create rules and think about the game versus the way it is played almost exclusively in my opinion and i'm not that's not even like at a high level or anything like that just the way it plays out on the table once you start playing it and have non-beginner level understanding of the game is that there is hardly ever anything in combat at any given time mm -hmm very very unlikely for both of our armies to just like have multiple combats across the battlefield at the same time because the way the tactics board and the tactics deck combine together to create resources which you funnel into one single combat means that 
if you spread them out and try and fight two units at the same time effectively, and your opponent just focuses all their attention on one, they probably kill that one unit and then get to spend all their resources next round on still not dying in the other fight. Mm-hmm. It's a really, really wishy-washy kind of way. But that's why, on a fundamental level, NCUs are so powerful, and why, roughly speaking, a 4-3 generally outperforms a 5-2 build, because when you have an extra unit, you probably don't end up with more combat. Mm-hmm. And the three NCUs just allow you to bring more resources to the one place on the battlefield that matters. Yes. Yeah. So what that leads to is they create abilities in general, on the whole, assuming a unit will be in combat. Most melee units, the majority of units don't have ranged attack. The majority of abilities are like bonuses to your combat abilities. But unless you are one of maybe two premier fighting units in your army, chances are that's just not an effective use of your points. And so having lots of mid range six point fighting units just doesn't do a lot when your opponent brings an eight-point unit and a four-point unit, and they just truck your six-point unit with an eight-point unit and the other combat as slowly as possible. Yes. And I think that's the disconnect. And it's not even... I don't think it's like, oh, super high-level players play the game in this way. Our super high-level players are denying all the fun bits of the game. Super high-level players are, like, doing all these things. Yes, super high-level players mostly even more extremely into throwing all their resources at one thing and making it work really, really well. And that's because that is generally the best strategy. But the problem is, is that the whole game lends itself and just the way the tactics board interacts with the with the table mostly the tactics board but also the tactics cards being this surprise bonus factor on top the way they all interact with the way combat works just means that combat isn't an army versus army thing it's a unit by unit thing sometimes a two-on-one depending on the units somebody engages in the front and somebody else engages in the flank yeah i mean that's that's actually and i know i know i play free folk right and i know that free folk are probably the best build or one of the best builds uh mance versus knight's watch as it basically always stands out to be um are the best builds in the game according to me and you uh we see different things on stats. You know, Baratheon's making up the ladder again. Uh, Lannisters have been pushing up. Um, Night's Watch have taken top space with Donal. But, like, when we talk about the game, we talk about, like, John, Night's Watch, and Mance Free Folk as being the two most dominant lists in terms of their power level. And then potentially Drogo as, like, a third extra hanger on. Um, 
and then there's arguably some like low activation Baratheon lists that can have some play into the fringe stuff at the end. Um, this is high level, high level uh, meta we're talking about now. The best of the best. Um, I was asked to play against a Baratheon player yesterday. Uh, he asked, can you play Mance and Freefolk into me because I want to learn what it's like. And all right, fine, whatever, let's go. R.I.P. Kurt. R.I.P. Kurt, Belisarius. Um, and then it's like, he's not a bad player by any stretch. You know, not a bad player at all. Did well, very well with his Brathians over in the U.S. Um, but just, it was to, like... just to interject, I, I came to watch this game. It was like, start of round two, maybe, yeah. something like that. I jumped into Discord, and I actually, like, I was in and out. I was doing some stuff around the room. And then I heard Kurt say, oh, Carlo, Carlo's here to support me, or like, Carlo will be cheering me on. And honestly, I looked at the board state, nothing had attacked yet. I looked at the board state, and I was like, Kurt, you've already lost. <laughs> and just walked away. Nothing had attacked, nothing had died, and I was like, you've lost, Kurt. <laughs> Yeah. I came back quite a long long time later and he had one unit left in the middle of the board with six units surrounding it, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um now this isn't to sit here and talk to you about like me playing Kurt, right? The actual thing that I wanted to talk about was what I spoke to Kurt after the game about. Because we sat and chatted for a while, um just not about like about the matchup, because that's what he wanted to play it for, to learn about what it was about. It wasn't really the game for the game's you know, the outcome, it was to see if he could pick anything up along the way. And one of the big things we discussed was simply, okay, okay how many times did I attack the front of a Brathian unit? One. I attacked the front of a Brathian unit one time when I was killing a three-wound Champions of the Stag with a... Uh, there's two... not there's too many. Um, overwhelming Assault with three folk with somebody already engaged in the flank. So I'm hitting Sunderings. Okay, all of a sudden, three plus armor. It's killable. Three wounds. I can do that. Boom. Killed it was the only frontal attack I made the entire game. Every other frontal time where I was engaged in the front with a Brathian unit, I just retreated off. Um, and the only other frontal attacks that I actually did, I did do some more, but it's like Mance just shooting some Queensmen unengaged because he had nothing else better to do. Right, like literally it's, I'm doing it because I can, not because I'm actually looking to do anything with it. Um, every other engagement was in the flank or the rear throughout the entire game. And it's things like that where it's like, oh, you out, you know, it's you're out maneuvering me. And I'm like, yeah, like the way I'm beating you is not by fighting you. I'm not fighting you. I'm out maneuvering you and then I'm killing you. There's no fighting involved. You hit me. I take some wounds. You might even kill a unit. I don't care. Because I'm manoeuvring around you the whole time. And when I come and kill you, I come and kick your fucking head in. There's no fight. Um, now, that's the way I play Free Folk, right? But it's also why we talk about Free Folk being good. Because it doesn't matter how much Baratheons want to come in and be like, ah, oh, let's have some fisticuffs. Because I'm like, sure. C come here. Here's a little, like, mannequin of me that you can hit for a while. While I just go and charge up this laser over here. Oh, right, are you done beating that up? Cool, right, zap, right, you're dead. Uh, next person. And 
it's similarly is so many problems with that. a lot not baratheons but like a lot of other factions right against specifically free folk and to some extent night's watch night's watch just kind of go right are you are you done moving around maybe he's done some wounds here and now cool right i'll do this and then i'll do this and you're dead um that partially is down to list building you know people are building lists to control space carlo many many moons ago uh had an unreleased video that was due to go out on tempo and about controlling space on the board and how you do that um that never made it to air because it never really got edited not my responsibility one of the few things that actually was not my responsibility and carlo will point at me but he knows um that never made it to air and that was a is a core concept that's just taken to extremes with good level players high level players it's not actually any more difficult it's just the same idea taken ramped up and i was talking to like brathians earlier on today so how do you build a brathian list that counters that style and i was like i don't actually know if you can i actually don't conceptually know if there are things that can beat that style but i was like try three lightbringers fuck it Try three Lightbringers, Mel and Jacken, Stannis OTK and Queen's Men, and just burn the fucking shit out of everything. Because if you just make someone do enough panic tests at seven, they're gonna fail some. Um, I don't think it's a good strategy, but I don't know what is. Um, going, back, going back to your original question, which yeah. is, do high-level players take the fun out of the game? Yeah. I do actually believe that basically... If one person comes to the game and wants to fight and kill stuff and their opponent just won't let them, then it is unfun yes. for the person who wants units to engage, wants to fight, wants to use their unit abilities, wants to play their tactics cards, wants to use the sword zone. Yeah. Now, the unfortunate thing is, is like your list needs to be different your your play style needs to be different your tactics need to be different if you want to force that fight but yes it is an unfun style if your opponent simply plays denial like forget control right yeah. like we talk about control as like counterplay mm -hmm. but like actually just denial straight denial of you ever making a charge because i'm charge blocking all the things that you want to charge doing whatever using xyz that is generally speaking unfun yeah it is like i i don't even disagree i think it very much so is um most people personally get is getting denied yes <laughs> but then when we talk about it you know um we talk about it and I think there are some factions out there. Free Folk are one of them who not only do they do it best, but also actually they kind of suck if they don't do it. Um, uh, Greyjoys, I think, actually have to do it as well because they really kind of suck if they don't do it. Uh, not well. Um, and to some extent, Targs, although Targs is different if you're playing the, the melee focus style kind of like kill them lists rather than the veteran style i'm a run around and kill you list um but i do think the like denial of movement and denial of of gameplay um denial yeah, of engagement. yeah denial of engagement specifically is very very 
heavily free folk and i actually think to some extent the way starks probably want to play as well um but stark players aren't doing it because it's hard to do it with starks that's why they suck um and that's why people don't like playing against free folk for what it's worth like that's part of the reason why i think because the style that free folk play is unfun um and that's fine like if people find that unfun like that is fine to say and i don't necessarily disagree i will point that out but on the flip side at what point does one temper fun to doing things that are bad like objectively worse options oh not at all but no but it is i i feel like going back to something which i used to say all the time to be honest like actually like used to i've said said loads of times and i feel like has finally come true uh in quite a lot of ways which is free folk aren't allowed to be number one because they have the least fun play style to play into yes so when they are number one it makes the majority of the community everybody not playing free folk yep unhappy because it is the least fun style of game to lose to i completely agree and to some extent when mother of dragons was high up the list to some extent mother of dragons used to do it i'm not talking about 2021 mother of dragons i'm talking about 1.6 mother of dragons who stand behind palisades and burn you to death and you can't really do anything about it uh yeah i actually yeah i will i will say that probably just getting shot to death from the middle of the board by awful is more unfun well it's but, equal uh, levels of unfun maybe i think but, but before awful reared his head and before range became the problem that it is um like Night um free folk were already doing this. They're like this already was their premier strategy and it already pissed people off. One point six starks are doing uh, and, and Raider spam was already considered, you know, like had toxic levels of hate. Yeah. Even when it wasn't that powerful. Yeah. It what, was one point six starks you know, are doing it. Like if we actually think of what made one point six sarks so good is that they would kind of create these battle lines or whatever no one would be engaged no one would be engaged and then the starks would run across the open field kill a unit and run back and that would be the round and you'd be like hang on i've just played this entire round my position doesn't feel like it's gotten any worse i'm now just a unit down and i'm out being out positioned and he's like yeah that's what happened exactly what happened and that was aggravating for a lot of players because it didn't feel like there was counterplay and it's a similar yeah. kind of thing that free folk are doing um now is what free folk were doing back then as well at the time it's what they're doing now as well um and to some extent john hunters is doing it as well but in the 1.6 stark style rather than the free folk style um yeah it is it is unfun and that's something that um <laughs> paul says there's nothing wrong with top level players crucifying us new players but sitting and chatting with us poor sods afterwards is the mark of a great player rather than someone who just walks out for the win yeah i mean i'm i've got a problem where i'd rather talk about the game than play it sometimes which is a problem um 
but I'll, I always will never forget the conversations that I used to have with Carlo because I used to be shit at this game. Um, and I sat down and had a conversation with Carlo and Carlo explained some concepts and ideas and it really helped. Simple as that. Such regret. Such regret. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute regrets. Yeah. Um, I thought you you get me to tell everybody all my fucking tricks, and now and now I can't even get in the top ten. Yeah. See, do you not know this? This is just me interviewing you every week, being like, "How to get good, Carlo? How to get good? How to get good?" I'm over here actually getting good, and you're over there just telling everyone else how to get good. It's quite useful. <laughs> Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> Flip the table. Hey, if you hosted for one week, you could maybe maybe you could ask me how to get good. You do need some tips. <laughs> do you want tip number one? I don't technology. <laughs> tip number one. Pick free folk. No. Uh, <laughs> um, there you go. You've immediately gotten better. Um, all right. So on that note, we'll move on from all of this. Uh, we'll go on to tournaments. I mean, there's a lot of us on tournaments this week, um, and we're already nearly 10 o'clock. Um, so we've had a couple of tournaments ended and we were actually going to look of, uh, of those things. Uh, so when they load, come on, don't be silly. Right. Um, there was the overclocker, the timed event, uh, which was won by Leet Teddy with his night's watch. Um, uh, which is again respectable. We see a uh, slightly different take on the Night's Watch lists that I think are strong. He even look. I mean, Carlo, he pays a point for Alistair Thorne attachment. Yeah, you know, like he's uh, he's been talking about him. Um, yeah, I I propose the clock. Yep. Um, as a solution to our ETS problems, I guess, are the most apparent ones. Uh, but like, it came out of thought around the Invitational, where we will be running an event which is under an incredible amount of time pressure. Yes. Uh, and I just partly wanted to see how the community would react, right? Like, and I think the community, because 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 there was a few stages to this. First of all, I sort of said, like, hey, why don't we use clocks? And then all these people were like, oh, it won't work because of X, Y, Z. It's got to be this. How am I going to do this? How am I going to, like, use it? What if I, what if my opponent rolls defensive dice? Blah, blah. Right? Loads of opinions. Loads of people mostly saying it won't work because of or it must work this way, this way or it won't work. Kind of things. And then I just started playing. Right? Like, I just said, like, looking for game. I want to play with a clock. And some people played me, and I sort of, we came to like some kind of agreement on how we would play. We played it out, and I thought it was playing well. And then the community ran with it. And Lugabri ran this timed event. Obviously, it has the confirmation bias of the people who were okay with the clock signed up. The people who weren't okay with the clock didn't sign up. Right? So, yes, I understand that. The response is very, very positive from those who played it. I didn't play. I didn't involved. I wasn't involved. I didn't. I didn't partake, and I didn't run it or have any involvement in how the clock was done or anything like that. Everybody seems to have really been glad about it, and people are now proposing it as ways to run their events again in the future. 
And that is the kind of response that I think is mature, shall we say, and good. Uh, it doesn't have to become the standard, but I think that it is good for TTS events because it means that people can be sure about how long they're going to spend at the computer. Um, and uh, I guess it was did everything that I needed it to do to be sure that it will be run the LGT Invitational in-person event. Mm -hmm. I know that the community's response is good enough. It's had some testing on TTS. And, and I think it will work in person. And I think that it is going to do the thing that we wanted it to do, which is force people to just play at a higher pace under really high levels of time pressure, which it is going to be mandated by the one-hour 45 rounds that we have. Yeah. Um, and relatively limited breaks between those games as well. Um, yeah. It is interesting because the North Americans, um, they've got an event going on at the moment, and they actually have a clock implementation as well. Um, basically the same thing. And what's very interesting is that for TTS, people have said it's become more accessible. Leet Teddy's one of his things that he said that he likes playing the game under a clock, not because he likes playing the game under a clock necessarily he likes being able to play a two-hour game of a song of ice and fire on tts yeah rather than three or four hour commitments uh the na scene was generally speaking saying the same things um that they preferred it because it made tts accessible there were problems with the clock in tts and don't get me wrong i do agree like people forgetting to hit the button and things like this you know which if it's physical it's there it's a physical thing it's a lot easier to do um there's a reason that when you play chess online, you don't hit the button yourself because it's hard <laughs> to remember to do so. Um, but in a physical world, of course, that's uh, a lot less common as being an issue. Um, but yeah, uh, in general, it's well received. It's generally well liked. I would, I mean, you've stopped playing with them, Carlo, for now. Uh, I've not been using them. Um, I actually did time myself against Kurt yesterday. Uh, not in game because I didn't want to put him under time pressure in the game. I think I want it, you know, for him, I want him to make right decisions. Um, and for me, I want me to make right decisions in the game, but I did actually measure the time and it ended at the point of the game ending, including playing it out to unit death with Kurt with three minutes on the clock and myself with 10. So if I look back at that game and say, did we play roughly equally amount of time? Yeah, we did. Um, that's a fair assessment of that game. Um, no one dominated the game in terms of length or took longer particularly and some of those cases were you know there were a couple of errors with trays and things like this um, where you have to fix them you know as TTS always happens um, yeah I, I, I don't think clocks I don't think clocks bother me at all as, a, as an addition to the game um, and so I mean I played some games over the weekend um I don't think I've played a clock in any of them. No, I don't think you did. Not the ones I saw. I don't think so. Basically, I don't. I, I don't propose a clock, but if my opponent wants to play with one, absolutely. Not not since not since the initial experimentation with them. Um, but then uh, my final game uh, that I played last night against Tom against Tom Tyler. Um, it went a bit long. And I was easily part of that 
um, if not the bigger part. And, you know, like, I didn't bring up the idea of a clock. Neither did he. We just started playing. It started reasonably late. I think yeah. maybe we started at about 10. That sounds about right, because me and Kurt yeah. hadn't finished. We, we, we just finished our game. We were post-chatting. Um, that sounds about right. Yeah. 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 We started about 10 p.m. Uh, and we didn't finish until like 20 to 1. So it, it took more, I'm pretty sure it was more than two and a half hours to play. And specifically more like like 40 minutes longer than it should have, really. Like that two hours should have been loads of time. We should have been done by midnight, really. Now, I didn't mind. Like I wasn't, at no point was I like, oh, Tom, mate. Tom, hurry up, mate, or anything like that. Like, that's not the thing. It was just that as the game was incredibly close and got incredibly tense, without any clock, it is disadvantaged. It's a disadvantage if either of us just starts to play quickly and not consider every possible thing and, and do our moves two, three times over to get the right positioning in an incredibly close and tense game. Like, you know, it was 6-6, six, six, it was 1-7-8 on the last activation of the game. You know, it went all six rounds. Um, it went to scores on the table on round six. It was somewhat the perfect storm of, like, a slow KG game. But I think the game would have been improved. It would have been sloppier. Probably somebody would have won more significantly much earlier because of mistakes made by time pressure. But I think the game would have been improved by clocks. I think one of the things that I realized when I played Bursaris, as I say, I was monitoring it, not like on the game. So I was doing it off screen um, on the second monitor. So I was aware of it. Um... And I wasn't playing under a clock condition, but I was thinking about, okay, like, how long should my actions be taking and how many actions am I going to get for doing this um, versus how long is the game going to be and so on and so forth. Um, when my opponent spent a minute, I felt comfortable saying, if I spend less than a minute here, I'm fine because I'm banking time relative to my opponent at this moment. But then I also felt at moments like i played the early game uh, no joke my actions activation through to action and result for basically every single action in the first round was 30 seconds for each one i was through the first round in nine activations uh, or eight eight nine activations um in less than five minutes basically of game time Kurt was a little bit longer. As I say, there were there were some tray bugs and stuff, which I paused the clock for. So the game actually ran longer than the time, the two hour time limit, if you will, um, because there were some pretty damn annoying bugs for Kurt at the start of that game. Um, so with that aside, though, like that first round of my playing time, it's probably five to ten minutes, if that. Mm. Like it really was just bang, bang, bang. Um, my opponent was a little bit slower. TTS, he doesn't use it as much. Fair enough. Whatever. I'm not going to say that. Hold that against him and be like, oh, it's faster. That's just... Fuck it. That's not important. <laughs> um, 
across the whole game though like i always felt i was slightly up on time because of those quick decisions i made on round one and round one fuck me guys if you know your list and you know what you're doing with your list deployment does take a bit of time in that you want to make sure you're deploying correctly but round one and deployment is almost formulaic like i know the exact order of things that they're going to activate in if i'm playing against someone decent i know almost exactly what's going to happen at the result of each action and the only reason i need to change any of those things is if my opponent does something i don't expect that's it um yeah just you know measuring up 12 inches to it measuring up uh five inches from someone taking the free cav move and then two inch shift and a 12 inch shot and going right okay so they've got a 19 inch range from the starting point so as long as i say 19 inches away from their starting line we're playing fire and blood uh if as long as they're 19 inches away from the starting point then he can't shoot me on round one unless i give him swords and horses which is silly oh i didn't give him that good <laughs> um so yeah simple like simple things like that um but yeah I don't think time's a factor. I don't think time's a factor. Obviously, it's a f I'll say it's a factor. Of course, it's a factor. I don't think time should be pressing you to finish games. Um, if you want to be considered like a, a high-level player um, and be winning those same games. Um, yeah, but I'm glad. I'm glad clocks have come through. Uh, anyway, that was Lee Teddy winning over clock. Uh, Lab in chat has hit us with a jokey meme so i have to say it for the purposes of the podcast of course not because i just want to say it because it makes me happy um i would have signed up for the clock thing but i didn't have time anyway uh right moving on um we saw ariakas win a small event hey ariakas hey he he didn't i know i know <laughs> <laughs> i know uh he'll uh he'll tell us about it no doubt at some point uh we saw Mikel win a small event in valencia again there were two winners there uh, it only was two rounds six player two round game so Mikel and this other guy are going to play a final on tts uh to work out who actually won the event um but yeah so it was a relatively quiet event in terms of results this weekend but we do have some big ones coming up right yeah good to see that uh Myrtle Beach had its resurgence of players as well. Battle for the Beach at Myrtle Beach. Um, 15 player event. That yeah, I think I some posts on Facebook about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is great, obviously. Uh, that was a community that I randomly have a guy from their community added on my Facebook page for some reason, like personal. Um, and he was quite active. And then I think he dropped off from the game a little bit. And it's good to see that that community's back because I think he was trying to push it a lot at the time. Um, but yes, so other tournaments. The French National Championship has gone up on that site as of today, uh, 29th and 30th of October. It, it, it's full, it's full sign-up process has just recently gone live. It's actually been yes. on stats for a little while, but oh, right. you sign up on stats, T3, and they also have like a Google Doc sign-up thing. You need to do all three to guarantee... Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah there you go maybe uh did just go up today uh and we've yeah, got 
nine Darkstar. He's a player from Spain who's been doing quite well. Um, he uh, one of the higher rated higher rated uh, Spanish players. Uh, and then we've got holy mother yeah, of people God. People have been signing up since uh, since April. I think maybe the people who are accepted mm -hmm. are the ones that have done all three things, right? Yep. So these are the people who also completed the Google Forms, etc. Um. Yeah, but supposedly they're looking they're, they're looking at a 100 person plus event, so it's really really good. It's got some really um really really high quality graphics and stuff made for it. Intro stuff by Theo Labar, um, and uh, and yeah, really 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 high quality team behind it. Um, quite a big team, which as far as I know, um, Demon reached out to them to create the events and run French nationals. Um, I didn't, I wasn't actually, I wasn't aware until I spoke with them the other day. Um, they're not the same team that run, that ran Masters of Westeros. No. It's actually a different team in a different location. Um, I thought that they had been approached because of the success of Masters of Westeros, but actually um, the, the the people in the channel who, who ran Masters of Westeros just aren't really in A Song of Western Fire anymore. No, I believe um, I believe that these are the guys who uh, have a lot more connection with a song of ice and fire. Fr Labar Atio, who who are the guys who approach them, I believe, uh, through Simon through them um, to run the event. Um, so yeah, no, it's really obviously it's fantastic. Uh, it's really funny because like from a creator's perspective, we don't interact a lot with the French content, but I've actually been a big fan of Laboratio stuff for a while and I often pop onto their streams and stuff um, when there is stuff live uh, that I can watch um, and I'll say hello and things like that and it, it is really nice because some of the players in there like Titus and stuff are people I talked with a long fucking time ago, uh, all the way back at NRG1 um, and it's great to see that they're still in the game and still active and still trying to do what they can uh, in the communities and things like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, it's always a pleasure to talk to them because there's some absolute, like, lovely guys over in the French community who, um, who are super, super, super passionate about the game and about just making the game, like, exactly the same that me and Carlo are, right? They want to make the game as big as it can be in the French community for them. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, the, the work they do is great. Um, and I know that uh, Philip Bertrand in chat as well, um, another person we've got on with uh, and chatted to quite a lot on Twenty Ground, um, although he's never been on. Maybe we should invite some of these guys on. There we go. I've got a new plan. There's a plan I've just formulated. Anyone could probably guess what that plan is. But yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can get some of them on uh, to talk about it because um, we haven't heard from the French community in far too long. Um, and uh, and yeah, no, I really hope that goes really well. Um, I was looking maybe to plan on maybe looking to go across. Um, Vlad has already offered up uh, a place to stay if need be. Um, but it's whether or not I can get the time off, which maybe get to know. Yeah. I'll be there. Yeah, you will be. I, uh... <laughs> I don't actually do any work. No. Well, it depends. If I... Um... I won't go into it now, but if I get my new job that I've got planned or potentially getting, then uh, I might be able to take it and it'll be fine. Unless Ofsted ring, and if Ofsted ring us, then I will not be allowed to even leave the building, never mind, go on a holiday. Um, 
All right, so uh, that's the French national event that's going on as we speak. Uh, Sign-ups for as we speak, sorry, that's happening in October in Bordeaux at the end of October, basically effectively one month after the LGT or close to it, mm-hmm. uh, with us being the first week of October. Um, do you have to speak or read in French to play? Uh, they haven't put that requirement. No, um, they haven't actually put no, that requirement the, at all. That they put out specifically is in English and French. They have put out the the, the English material comes sometime afterwards. I am. I personally do not speak French. I am intending to go. Obviously, I think you're going to have to learn and be ready to try and have sometimes complicated interactions with, I, I, let's just say this, don't expect to turn up and have everybody speak English to you because that is not necessarily going to work. No. Like that, that's, that's a classic English expectation. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I think there's no requirement. Uh, it's specifically, I had a quick look at the form. I think it asks you if you do speak French, but they are expecting an international crowd, Germans, Spanish, Italian. obviously majority French, Italians, um, Belgians, stuff like that. So, you know, um, I, I think I think you will. You don't need to. Feel, feel free to, to sign up. If you don't speak French, uh, be aware that you will um, that that the French are not required to speak English either. Yeah, you know, and there will be. Um, I've spoken to Titus before. He speaks English. Chabalo, I'm pretty sure speaks English. I think I played against him for God's sake. Um, they the tournament organizers do speak English and French. Um, they will be on hand, no doubt, if there should be an issue like that. If you're an English player or you don't speak French and there needs to be a translation or there is a communication issue between two players over a particular issue, um, I'm sure they'll be on hand to try and resolve that. Uh, of course, you know, we should, I, as an Englishman, I will say up, straight up say that we should be looking to go over to France and speak French um at least uh, to a limited extent you know um i'll have to break out my gcc french somewhere yeah but philip philip <laughs> there, we'll help you guys don't worry we'll help you guys he's a he's a legend isn't he um so um yeah i i really hope that goes well uh cool. absolutely sign up and who knows it could be one of the big events qualifying for the world championships 2023 yep. As of, I mean, as of right now, they are looking like it's, they say it's 100 players. They are actually, I believe, last time we spoke, they've got scope to uh, move that out. 100 players isn't even a limit, I believe. Yeah. And, uh, and I believe they have, uh, I believe they have rough signups of 90 people. They're, they have, they believe that they have. Mm-hmm. Early, so we're talking about an event that is going to be an equivalent size to the LGT. And I do believe that they are looking to make it bigger. Like, uh, they are looking to try and push it bigger. Um, so, uh, you know, I actually, as much as I would love to be part of the biggest Song of Ice and Fire group and have that accolade uh, in the event and things like that, like, if these guys push and they get an even bigger event, healthy competition like that, look, it just means that the LGT next year will be pushing for more and then they'll push for more. And if we end up with, like, oh, 
we both got a thousand players at our events we'll go back and see how i got a thousand and one and i've got like 998 or whatever and then we can both sit back and go yeah but fucking guys we both got like a thousand players like that's insane <laughs> no, that's not of no, no no let's not but i mean let's just let's just imagine that um but yeah anyway um on to events that are running, or due to run, I should say. Uh, there's an event happening in Grand Villet in France this weekend. Oh, well, fr- on Friday. Odd day. Did anything happen on Friday? Friday the 15th in France? It's after work. No, it's probably just a small event. I was thinking it's like, it's like Bastille Day or something, but that's no, that's a different day of the year. Um, we've got Chelmsford Bunker. Uh, that's happening, which I know that Paul was saying, I'm thinking of running a full Bolton-only neutral list at the Chelsea Bunker event this coming Saturday. If you take non-Bolton uh, unit, uh, sorry, non-Bolton NCUs, that's not a terrible choice. If you only take Bolton NCUs, you're going to have a real struggle. Because <laughs> um, one of them is going to be your commander. <laughs> and the other one, is, so you have Roos NCU and that's it? No. <laughs> um but yeah, Roos, uh, like, run looking, I mean, if you want tips, or want to run a list that you feel comfortable with, or want to run a good list, Tom's... Tom ran full bottom against me last night, like, yeah. It, anything, it is... The best way to play? It, it is the best for neutrals there is right now. Mm-hmm. July 14th is Bastille Day. Oh, is that right saying it's Bastille I see. I'm going to have to look this up now, only because someone mentioned it in chat. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, do, do not feel bad about um, running... Uh, full neutrals. It is actually July the 14th. Fuck me, isn't my international knowledge pretty amazing sometimes when it comes about? Um, so, uh, yes, um, run for Bolton's. Welsh GT, yes, that's the other event happening, uh, which has got 20 players, and the results of stats have been released for this, so let's have a little look. Um, Carlo, have you seen the stats for this? Ah, uh, yeah. All right, cool. Uh, were you surprised at that number there being... Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it is high. Yeah. Um, I guess it's only it's only a bit higher than I would expect. There are, there are you know, there are a few not- notable kind of free folk players who I already knew are entering. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually the equality of all the other factions, which is... Surprising. surprising yeah like yeah like basically there's two entrants of everything except that there are six free folk mm-hmm. um there is a only third tog and there's only one Greyjoy. joy yeah so like but other than that it's like basically a 10 percent split across all the factions except then this chunk of uh free folk players am i surprised no like i think that they have look maybe people people can tell themselves all they want right that they that they like theme, they like X, Y, Z, they're like whatever. Free folk are powerful right now. People will play free folk. I agree, yeah. I know that you know I know that some people like I know Jacob's a good example of like a player who doesn't play free folk that much online anymore. Uh because he's limited by only owning free folk in the real world. He only actually has a faction. Like I own Greyjoys now. Um kind of half and half. I own neutrals but still not full. Um but yeah it's uh it's it's a thing like people with physical limitations is a bit more of a thing but people are going to run free folk as well because they're powerful i agree um and there are players on the list like harbo uh, he's a free folk player 
um, play Free Folk for a while at DMG. No surprises there. I don't know Darkman, but I've seen him in other events, just had a look back at his history. And he's actually run a mixture of stuff. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I actually think people don't know him. He did well. He actually won the Welsh tournament for like the Pontypool Store tournament. Um, so he might be a, in with a shout doing quite well. To Jacob, Tom Tyler's taking his neutrals. Um, and Psycho is going with his Starks. He's mixing up with a Rickard Carstark list. And I wanted us to have a look at this fucking mess of a list pairing, right? Okay. Rickard Carstark in House Umber Berserkers. Fueled by Slaughter trying to get its value, maybe? Um, with it going down ranks and taunting things into them weakened. I don't know what he's got planned there. But he's just fucking going for it. And then he's got House Telly Cavaliers of the Glory Seeker, Stormgrave Mercs, Rick on Osher, Shaggy Dog, Castart Loyalists, fair enough. Um, with Catelyn, Lyanna, Arya. Nothing too all, surprising there, except all the seems solid. Except um, the Berserkers. To be Umber Berserkers seems yeah. like an odd. Yeah. Uh, and this next list is like, fuck you, Steve. It really is like a fuck you. Eddard. Have you seen this? No. Cool. What unit's Eddard in? Well, I can only assume not Honor Guard yeah, by the fact that you're asking. Yeah, I will ask you if it's Honor Guard, like, right? Honor Guard? No, 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 no. Cast out Loyalists. Okay, we've saved a point for okay. what feels like huge loss, but okay. If I tell you the list is, I think, six activations, do you know where the rest of this list is going? Tully Cav, Tully Cav, Tully Cav? Is there anything in those? Um, six act. So we could afford a one point attachment. Uh, I think most people prefer glory. So I'm going to go triple glory seeker. Tully Cavalier glory. Okay. Bolt and Flayed Men glory. Bolt and Flayed Men glory. That is four units on the board. MPUs. Obviously, we go cat and Sansa. Uh, I was going to say Aya, but Aya can only do infantry, can't she? Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. do Sansa to re to re get Fury of the Fallen and Northern Defiance. Um, Surely Honor Guard are <sighs> worth one of the Glory Seekers. I think his logic is Rally Cry Heal on everything. If anything makes an attack, you're healing two somewhere. The Castle Light Loyalists, the extra healing from Perseverance and Valor, so it's effectively a three wound heal, one to themselves, two elsewhere. I don't know if this list is actually that good, but fuck me. This list is going to be an absolute bitch to kill. Yeah, I lost to um, to, to, to Luke, Lucas, Lucas Aurelius. Yeah, Lucas Aurelius. Um, I lost to Luke playing a Stark list, an Eddard Stark list with at least one Glory Seeker, possibly two. I think he had two Glory Seekers. Uh, so he had Flayed Men with a Glory Seeker. He had um, he had um, Tully Cavs with a Glory Seeker. He had Eddard in a normal Honor Guard unit. Yeah. Um, and then he picks up two more activations from Stormcrows and Shaggy, and he only has two NCUs. It was surprisingly tough. It was it, like, you know, like, when he just started to push down the middle of the, not even the middle of the board, he actually pushed like down the side of the board. Mm -hmm. And I knew exactly what he was going to do. 
but I couldn't stop it. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. Like, I couldn't kill it. Like, you know, and like, and and every attack, I'm also risking a Fury for the Fallen. I'm risking, I know Assault Orders is coming. I know XYZ's coming. All I can do is plan to like position. When he goes here, he can only get one unit engaged. And I'll counter him and I'll attack him in the flank. And then like everything goes as I expect it to go. And then he's just not dead. And I'm yeah. like, oh shit, what now? Yeah. No, it is. It's, it's ridiculous. Um... I have, I have a feeling that I, I don't know if this, this is good, but fuck me, it's going to be an absolute nightmare to deal with. Um, uh, and Steve's a very I don't player. know how my list would face it effectively, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know the full range. I can't think of the full range of the meta, basically, um, about whether or not, you know, John, John Hunter's not not great like you don't john hunters don't do great with three plus armor right like that's not a good particularly matchup for them they can go and kill edard maybe but but you have nine activations you should be able to pick out the units that you want you should be able to get into the flank you should be able to do all sorts of stuff so you know i'd be i feel like surely surely it doesn't beat john i also think Maybe maybe it is da- maybe it is very dangerous to free folk because just like there are three dangerous units and you can't just pick one of them off if he just slams all of them into your face roughly at the same time. Um, and unlike that game against Baratheons, like you can't just retreat from flayed men and expect not to die, right? Like they will charge you and they will kill you, as will Tully Cavaliers. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, like maybe, maybe it's good. Yeah, I wouldn't maybe play it. I'd have to think about how I'd take it apart, and I think I'd, it's not. I'd, I certainly don't want to try and apply that to quick line of thought now because it's far too much effort for me uh, at this point of the evening. But I do think there's ways to beat it. But yeah, I I think it depends on how it's played. And he's a very good player, and he can probably pilot this list very well um, doesn't beat mag uh, yeah maybe true this does maybe. beat mag and I'll tell you why it beats mag because flayed men can kill mag on the charge Tully cavaliers can kill mag on the charge flayed men like mag is now testing on like a negative potentially like a like a, a worse than an eight um it'll be seven base if he's attacked in the front if he's attacked in the flank or rear their cavalry they can move around giants very easily um and the other thing crit blow or rolling a fuck ton of dice is going to get through the hits dev impact coming down on that i've lost i've lost a mag to a flayed man charging me in the flank with dev impact. Like, mm. one shot, bang, dead. So, you know, it can happen. Um, doesn't mean it will. But, uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to see Psycho. Uh, Ross picking up Free Folk as well, Drogon. And Gregor's, who's been playing on the, the Mance, uh, or the Free Folk train for a while. Um, but yeah, so... I'm really looking forward to that. I'm really hoping the game uh, goes well. 
obviously I've got to say congratulations or um uh well good luck to everybody but uh the dead meta guys i really do hope one of them pulls down with a win uh coming down from the northeast it'd be great to have one of them pull a tournament win uh so we can go over there and uh spank them <laughs> no uh it's 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 nice to have uh winners from the northeast uh go to an event it's nice to have uh... the, the winner will get an invite to the uh invitational so yep. you know i'll be i'll be watching watching to see who takes the win mm-hmm. um so yeah, that's really I'm really looking forward to that. Um, we've also got Kingdom Gaming running an event in Northampton. I know that um, they say I also posted just earlier that they still have a few more tickets. Uh, yep. So if you're in the area, then yeah. Mm-hmm. And where would we be without us having an event in Warsaw, a 50-point tournament? I think it's a 50-point tournament anyway. I assume it's a 50-point tournament. I mean, it says 50 tournament. Oh, no. List of 40 points. Maybe it's the 50th <laughs> tournament. Maybe it's the 50th tournament in fucking Warsaw. Wow. That might actually be true. Holy shit. <laughs> They've run 50 tournaments in Warsaw. Can I just point that out? That's nuts. Um, like a tournament practically every week for the past year. Yeah. Yeah. That would not surprise me. Um... We've got a league starting up, uh, Warden of the West, which is happening over in California. Um, I think it's a league anyway, or is it just a... That's just a long event. I thought they said it was going to be a league. Oh, well. There's an event happening in West California, Warden of the West, uh, so I uh, really hope that goes well. Um, we've then got another event in Reclaw in Poland. Where would we be without? Um, so that's Bolter's 17th of the 7th. And on Sunday, we also have another event in Poland. We've got one in Gdansk. Awesome. We've got an, an event happening in Aberdeen in the UK. Small eight-player uh, event happening in the Airedale Community Centre. Oh, awesome. I think that's presumably um, I see who's... That's, uh, where Doug Must be where Blaine? Doug is and his guys are. Cool. Maybe? Yeah, I'm guessing it. Uh, a casual local Wait, tournament, oh, no, no prizes, wait. just glory. Oh, no. Is Doug from Dundee? Or is he from Aberdeen? Ooh. If I don't commit, he can't hate me. Oh, this is my uh, lack of... Uh, <laughs> they're all the same. Are they in the same place? <laughs> right, anyway, before uh, Carlo manages to piss <laughs> off the Scottish any more than he could possibly do it, there's also a large event happening in Gdansk, uh, which I believe is the league I was thinking about, Jesus Christ, uh, which is the one happening in... So Doug says yes. don't know which one too, but he says yes. Um... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, they're the same place. Uh, and yes, that's his event. Um, so they're, yeah, both, they're both get to Edinburgh and keep going for another 10 wild. hours. Yeah. <laughs> so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten events happening this weekend or into the next bit. Um, so uh, I really hope those all go really well. Um, this is Carlo's last time on the episode. Uh, for a while, he's going away on holiday, uh, and then he's going away for work, right? And then he's going away for play, and then he's going away for a bit more of a holiday. Then he's going away for a song of ice and fire, which counts as work, and then he's going a bit more holiday, right? Is that is that the right order of things? I mean, it. There's something something from July, 11th of July. I won't be back in this room until 8th of August or something like that. 
Wow. Um, bye. <laughs> Laters. Um, yeah, I'll be gone. I'll be gone for about four weeks. Uh, so, yeah. So while while he's oh. gone, guys, uh, of course we can make sure that the world goes to shit without him. I'm sure we'll manage that. Um, <laughs> uh, but on that note, we will leave it there. Next week, I'll be joined by a guest who carlo likes and carlo would think is a a very reasonable replacement for carlo um i haven't actually told him yet but he does know so he should know it'll be fine uh ariakas will be joining us as a, as uh, me as co-host next week um because he's now finished for term so he's got time to join us um and he may be even hosting with me for a while just while carlo's away who's basically like the canadian version of carlo um but with more emotions and less robot. So it's a win for everybody, really. Is, is, is he by Canadian standards known as a massive arsehole? Is that <laughs> Maybe. I think he's brilliant. That's just on the scale of Canadian to Canadian. So, you know, <laughs> it results in him being incredibly nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, I think he's I think brilliant. I love I love spending time with Ariakas. Um, so, yeah, uh, we'll have him on and we'll... Um, yeah we will we will go from there um so thank you very much everyone for uh for joining in again uh for a long episode before carlo disappears uh paul is right it is episode 101 and carlo is indeed 101ing tony ground for a little while uh and uh yeah any final things for yourself carlo I i've obviously got some things but thanks for thanks for sticking around guys thanks for watching over the past two years thanks for getting us to 30,000 hours watched. Um, and uh, I hope, honestly, genuinely, if you see me in the US, if you're going to be at Gen Con, if you're going to be whatever, then come and say hello. I'm not as bad in person. He's That's not. what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard I'm surprisingly nice when people meet me. So <laughs> do come and say hello uh, and let me know uh, who you are, what your real name is, and what your online tag is, because uh, I always get confused. Uh, so mm -hmm. hopefully meet as many as many people as possible on my travels. Um, yeah, and obviously I wish I'll, I'll probably talk to Carlo between now and then anyway, uh, but I wish Carlo the best of luck in gen con um and the last chance we'll check last chance technically and then gen con um and also you know for the frisbee as well i hope that goes really well that's the actual main reason you're going over after all um i really hope you do really well at worlds um and yeah it will be a shame not to have you around it will be horrible if there's any problems with the site i might cry um <laughs> but uh, apart from that yeah, I'm sure everything will be great. And I really do wish you well. Um, and uh, there will be a triumphant return, right? You will be back at some point and you will have to tell us all about your escapades, uh, what the US is really like. Is the sun really always shinier? Uh, is there actually just simply more freedom in the air when you play a song of ice and fire over there? Um, all of those things. Right. Absolutely. And with that, guys. We'll take it from there. We'll take it this week. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Ready? Aim. There's too many. Anyone see my mammoth? Oh! Stop being.